Hello and welcome to the Celestial Podcast, the Doctor Who podcast, hosted by Joey Morgan. Today I'm here with Connor, aka Genesis of Androzani. Hello. Uh, Zach. Hello. And, well, uh, why did you find him saying hello funny? Um, how, how is how is that amusing? Any, any, anything's amusing. And if you couldn't tell, Dylan's obnoxious ass is here. Um, yeah, but, but why, why are you laughing at him saying hello? I mean, I know he's got a funny Kiwi accent, but just lay it off, man. <laughs> move on, move on, move on. He found it funny because I'm a rhino in a suit with a mohawk. <laughs> Don't you know, Dylan, Dylan, I'm basically the Jimmy Fallon of Doctor Who YouTube channels. Oh. <laughs> Don't say that name. Oh, um, oh, oh, uh, please. Let's, just, let's get on with this, please. Uh, so Dylan and Carter, they both have channels that I will leave linked in the description. Go check them out, because oh, they're okay sometimes. Uh, and today we're talking about New Who Series 1. I don't know why I decided to cram this all into one video, but here we are. Um, this uh, Normally, in, uh, in most circumstances here, I would over the main Doctor and Companions for this series, um, then we would get into the stories, but since we have so much to cover here, I think we're going to jump right into the stories. So let's begin by talking about Rose by Russell the Davies. Who would like to begin? I will. I can. Don't, don't, don't everyone volunteer at once. <laughs> I, I will. Well, we I'll can volunteer, volunteer once, but let Zach go. Let, get, let Zach go. Alright, Zach, go ahead. Okay. Okay, I, I think I think this was a pretty good way to, to, to bring to bring the show back to also, and also to ref, and also to provide a refresher to those that to those that were ju- that were just coming back, because re- because really the first the first ten the first ten minutes of the the first ten minutes of the episode with with Rose discovering discovering the Autons and and well running with running with running with the Ninth Doctor that pretty much sets that that pretty much sets the entire tone for what for what new who what new who will be all will all be about. Yeah, yeah. To, to kind of build on what he was saying there, uh, it definitely does set the tone for New Who. Like, there is a lot of flaws with the episode, but you've got to concede, for the, the style that Russell was going for, very much to set the tone, even with the very title itself, because Rose, it is entirely focused Indeed. on the character, the companion. Uh, the, you know, despite the fact that there's a whole story going on around it, that's kind of pushed backstage to what Rose is doing and what a family is doing. That's kind of a recurring thing in New Who. And, it's very, much, on that. and it's very fast paced. It's very fast yeah. paced. It's very modern, uh, whether you think that's a good thing or not. And yeah. yeah, so it's got its flaws. I think it probably goes by a bit too fast. I'm not a fan of the more companion centric style of New Who. But in terms of well, I didn't... not only reinventing Doctor Who, but it, like kind of giving us the flavor of what's to come, it does a good job on that level. Yeah, most definitely. And um, I agree with you that, that I don't like the companion-centric style of New Who, but at the same time, I'm glad that Russell went forward with his very specific direction and didn't, like, kind of pussy out and be like, oh, what if it pisses off the classic Who fans? Um, of course not. He even said something as well why he didn't why he didn't have why he didn't have this episode beginning with with Paul McGann regenerating into Christopher Eccleston because mm. he wanted to re- just you want to show this being show this being new to show this being picked up by anyone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and and, and, and I, 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 I really good. do appreciate that. Yeah, um, it doesn't like you know blow its load over the fact that they have the autons. You know, the autons are just kind of there, which they're not okay. even called autons in this. They never they never mentioned by name. Yeah, they just the uh, book, yeah. Living in, 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 in the book they are. They in the book they are. In the recent book of Rose they are. They like, do. They do. Call but nasty, in this episode so. they're not. Although they the ones that, although the, they don't say the author, they don't say the name Auton ever. 
I will say the one missed opportunity in this to sort of reference the classics to bring in that wider audience is in the scene with Clive when he's looking at the Doctor's history. Um, I do think you're kind of missing an opportunity there to show other incarnations, but it's it's and not. You, a, don't want, you don't want to overwhelm novel, a new audience. Novelized, that's, the true, that's the no, true. The novelization actually did that. The novelization actually showed all the all the different incarnations minus ten because you know Rose didn't want to get spoilers and all that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that was Brussels' original plan. Um, but yeah, yeah. Like said, Dylan, like he didn't want to over, uh, you know, overload. Yeah, the yeah, and I, and I do appreciate the fact that he went forward with his style of Doctor Who and didn't back down. You know, I may rail on it and criticize him a lot, but at the end of the day, never listen to the bloody fans. You know, yeah, well, I mean, do yeah. maybe a little bit, but don't kowtow to them. Do exactly. the style of Doctor yeah. Who you want to do. That's the only way this yeah. show is going to work. If people are doing the style of Doctor Who they want to write, because you can't it's... make somebody write something that isn't in their style at the end of and, the day. So, so basically what we're trying to say, audience, is that this is, this episode is all an allegory for the new Sonic movie, and they shouldn't have backed down. <laughs> for, they shouldn't have backed down to the fans. They shouldn't have given in into their demands, and they should have just made, made Sonic look even worse, actually, and just have them, have them stick two middle fingers up to the audience in the new trailer. <laughs> Um, Make Sonic look like the Nestine pool, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or um, or like yeah, make make the movie three D and have like the ugly Sonic get his two fingers out and just jab it in everybody in the audience's <laughs> eyes. That's the way make, to really do it. Make it four D, actually stab their eyes out. <laughs> yes. Well, have, have him have him actually be have him actually be a, have him have him possess a fat guy and get, um, fart the entire time. Oh, jumping the gun! Jumping gun! Jumping the gun! What are you doing? Um, but yeah, I I reckon um, this episode is a really good balance of. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things that are borrowed from Classic Who, but it's made into the new style that's going to be used going forward. I think that's really good because it's it still has the core elements of Doctor Who, but it has a new thing going for it, which I think is exactly what it needed to do. Um, I mean, essentially, and, it's just episode four of Spearhead from Space, but kind of in the background. Yeah, yeah, that is that is yeah. something that I, that I do have, like, a small gripe with with this episode, is that, like, you know, I'm glad they don't blow their load over the Autons, uh, like I said, but they're, they're not really represented as that big of a threat. You know, we know everything's going to be fine, and uh, I think Autons, you know, I think, I think I've heard you say it once before, Dylan, that uh, the Autons look best when they look a bit more shit, and not like actual... Yeah, yeah. Shop with yeah, them. Because, yeah, it's because they could they couldn't make them look accurate at dummies in the seventies. So instead, they kind of make yeah. things that don't quite look like shop dummy, dummies, but have these really horrible, evil-looking stairs and this really weird, fluid motion, which just looks so wrong. Guy. It makes them all scary. Whereas now they just or kind of weird guy with fake tan. <laughs> yeah, look like, yeah, exactly. It looks like they've got bloody rheumatism. They can barely fucking. It just looks silly. Is all I'm saying. And that yeah, sometimes look- having no budget. Makes things a bit better. Mm-hmm. The effect still well, holds up. Very, yeah, it's very interesting well. that because with with this episode, it's like they had a lot more to play with in terms of like practical effects because it's two thousand five. But then with the CGI, they have the low budget, so then you get things like like the rubbish bin and the, <laughs> the fucking <laughs> just all that. Stuff. What a hero! I fucking love the rubbish bin. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean the, the the rubbish bin is kind of the the 2005 New Who equivalent of like a quirky classic Who effect that looks yeah. a bit shit, but you can't help but love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. 
Uh, all right. So, anything else to say on Rose? I know we're kind of moving along fast, but like I, mean, I, said, I just, I just want to start. I want to. I want to. I want to just because it's the first episode. I just want to say, like, when I was talking before about taking something old and making it new, I think specifically the Doctor. They did it. I thought. I thought Davies did a brilliant job of characterizing the Ninth Doctor straight off the bat, because mm. there is there are elements to the character that are similar to what you've seen before but there's something new that you haven't seen before as well mm -hmm. particularly the costume and also yeah. the fact that yeah. um you know something, Chris something i'd like something i'd like to bring up as well for this whole, for for this i mean new who didn't stick with this in the long run but keeping the mystery keeping the mystery of who of who the of who the doctor is just yeah. just by by what clive by what clive tells by what clive tells rose all those little glimpses of the tars you get and that scene where he where and that scene where where the doctor tells rose how he can feel the earth the earth moving mm. those scenes so those scenes like that really keep really is is i really like because it also it shows the it shows the uh, mysterious mysteriousness to the character yeah what yeah no and it, it kind of it, one problem with classic you i find is that they end up kind of giving away too much about the doctor so by like the kind of Peter Davis and Colin Baker era, there's very little mystique <laughs> left. So it was a good idea to bring it back. The only problem is they just kind of throw it out the window the moment Muffat comes in. And plus, I've yeah. always handled a bit it with Tennant. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, yeah, I, yeah. I, that's a great point. You know, with the Doctor, Russell did a great job in this series, and we'll talk about this more, I think, with Dalek, but he did a great job of analyzing the Doctor's role in a modern society. Um, he's He can't yeah. kind of be just the, uh, the random traveler who can do whatever the hell he wants. Um, like, mm. uh, you know, like Doctors like that, I say, would include Patrick Troughton, Tom Baker, Colin or Baker. Willi or William Hartnell. Yeah. Mm. Um, Especially William Hartnell. <laughs> um but but you know to give him a bit more of a purpose and i enjoy that um not not that i like that take on the doctor more uh than any other but you know it it contextualizes him in in a in a uh in a modern show like this so um i guess last thing to do here is uh give ratings out of 10 for rose uh dylan meeting a sausage roll <laughs> zach <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> I'll give this about. I'll give this one a. I'll give this one a seven, because my right. gripes are pretty. I just nitpicks really. All right, Connor. Uh, well, uh, this I. I mean, it's pr probably going to sound ridiculous because you know, um, but I just. I think it's just like nostalgia really kicks in hard with this one because I've seen this episode probably more times than I've ever seen any other episode. In fact, I think I commented on this when we watched it on that marathon we did recently mm. um so i've got a lot of affection for it um so i'm gonna say nine. Ooh, wow okay dylan wow i'm still eating a sausage roll can i do it okay fine so, i'm sorry it's right. i can do it i can do it now i can do it now <laughs> all right um go on. so i like how this episode kind of sets up new who that's a it's very well written in that sense but at the same time I don't like a lot of the things it's going for, and I don't think it quite works for Doctor Who, at least not the kind of Doctor Who that I enjoy. And okay. plus, it kind of it goes by way too fast. The nestings kind of just feel like they use as a throwaway. Uh, and it, unlike most you know, one-part New Who stories, it, it, it just needs to be longer. Um, there's very few stories I don't think that about. But anyway, yeah, so probably say, if I was being harsh, a six. If I was being generous, a seven. So let's just say a seven because, you know, I do recognize that there is some very good writing going into it, even if I don't agree with all the uh, artistic choices. Yeah, cool. So mostly sevens all around because um, I'll give it a seven as well. Um, 
All right, so I guess let's move on to The End of the World by, uh, once again, Russell the Davies. Um, uh, who would like to start? <clears throat> I'm leaning off again, 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 don't everyone I'll start, I'll start, start again. I'll start, I'll, right. st- I'll do it again. Okay. okay. Yeah, I think this, I think this one, I think this, the whole purpose of this one was, was, was to show, was to really showcase how much bigger the budget of this series was compared to the, compared to the classic series by, by sh- by by well taking it taking it to taking it to outer space to that to that pretty nice visual the nice for the time visual of 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 the Doctor and Rose. Yeah, by looking, reusing looking the same there. space station three times, just like in classic. <laughs> yes, indeed. But the point, but, the, by, but okay, this ep- this ep- this episode itself, it's a, I mean, it's a there is it's a murder mystery story, but even though the even though it's pretty obvious who the murderer is. But what I, but it's, I still think it's a decent, decent time, mainly for the more quiet moments, more, the more quiet moments between the doc, between the doctor and yeah. Rose and, and the supporting characters. Yeah. yeah I think, I think the highlights of this episode aren't necessarily the plot. It's more the character development. That That's what I, the most thing I get out, get out of it, especially seen as this is the episode that's, it symbolizes just introducing the concept of the time war into the show. Um, and this is an episode where it's like the Doctor is, he takes Rose to see her own planet end, and that's, that he's like, well, that's what happened to me. It's kind of a weird, like, parallel, yeah, but... It, it's it's a very different sort of first adventure for a companion to go on. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Doctor's yeah. never done something quite so drastic with his companion. But also, I feel like the doc- it does show that the Doctor has kind of lost a human connection through the Time War, um... And doesn't quite know how someone like Rose would react to going to see the end of her own planet. So, yeah, well, what, so, so I definitely. So and I definitely, here we are eating chips. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely agree oh, that um uh, that, this good, is, that this episode is big on character development. Um, yeah. Uh, the do- you know for the Doctor Rose, I even like the character of Jabe. I think she's quite good. Yeah. However, I will have to say, and as much as I like to focus on those as the big positives, and they're and they're really great positives for that matter. The a lot of the episodes really cringy. Uh, it's yeah. it's, I like it's, it. it's just it's just a bit much so, sometimes. I think it. Yeah. I, found, like, I found like the, like Nine's little humor humorisms, like when he like when he dances to Tainted Love briefly. See, um, I don't know. I I, 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 don't, I don't like that. That feels a bit more tenant to me. See, here's the thing: the jo- <laughs> the joke about the jukebox and the and the iPod, like the, them playing songs. I, I I don't mind that, but it goes on a bit long. They they yeah. hold on it for a really long time. They do that, and um, oh, what's the other thing? Oh, the other sort of kind of cringy bit that I like, or not really cringy. Um, just joke that I like uh, is the air from my lungs bit with the doctor. Yeah. Actually, oh, really? That, you don't that, like that? that no, 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 I like that. I like that. I like that. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Good. That's all. No, um, well, I'll say... Me, from my grandfather. <laughs> Alright, so, um, for me, uh, this episode, so basically, a lot of the, the plot's a bit crap, and a lot of the more quirky moments, I don't know, I don't really dig it, but when it's kind of kind of moves away from the plot and it's just these more kind of introspective moments where it's just the characters kind of having a chat about how bleak things are it's quite good it's quite well written in that respect and the, the stu- and jabe as it was one of those characters where like there's just a few moments of just like fuck me that's a bit bleak you know yeah. that's just it has a lot of nice moments like that which kind of save it from the fact that it's lacking in substance entirely and is just mostly style well i mean i i see it more as like this is like the cantina scene from a new hope 
you know? Oh, you it's know not, what? I, hmm. it's not, it's I never not looked meant, at it in that way. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not meant to be a full story. It's just, it's just like, you know, when, when Luke Skywalker walks in and he's like, what the fuck is this? All these weird aliens. So what I'm saying, I get that, but why don't you just have a full story and then that be a part of it, you know? Mm. Why just have all these little piecemeal bits and never well, really have a proper because, story? This is yeah, weird. Because, because really, that's, that's also the thing with the New Hope. They really, is the cantina scene in a New Hope is also a break from all of the crazy sci-fi shit. Yeah. So and now this is a bit of this fun. Is this, where, this is the whole plot now. This is this is where it gets interesting because it's it's are you looking at this in in the context of a standalone episode or in the context of a series? Because I would argue yeah, well, in the context of a, in a series, it works. Yeah, but the problem with that is that they go to this location for only one episode and don't go back, and it's got its own self-contained no, is... plot. Yeah. Well, well yeah, no, but, but then, but then, then, it, then it creates its own. Then it creates its own little trilogy. You know, once you get into the yeah. tenet era. So yeah, new new Earth and Gridlock mm, all connected by the face of Bo. See, this is where I'm really conflicted on this because I do agree with that, like uh, with what you said, Connor. That yeah, it, it is it is a break from all the crazy sci-fi shit if you look at the series in a broader context. But also, when I'm ranking this individual story alongside other stories, it's a bit shit. Yeah, yeah. I get I get what you mean, Connor. I really do. But I just don't think that style works for Doctor Who because you have to go to a new location with a new set of that's, characters. That's fine. That's or, fine. And a new world, that's why I was a new story. And I just that's don't why. think there's enough time to do that in 45 minutes. You can't just have all these little piecemeal stories uh, and then kind of have it add up to, like, you know, just a little thing at the end. It, for me, it just doesn't work. Because, I mean, let, let's face it, the story arcs have never really been that overriding for the plot of other stories. So the kind of argument that, oh, it's just all part of the series doesn't really hold water because it's only really little token references well i'm not talking about references necessarily but like if you think about it um there is a lot that happens in into the world that is yes they are small moments but they contribute to like just the building and piling on top with the characters and like the knowledge of knowing things like yeah but what, um, what, what i argue is that you could do that in a better longer developed story you could you could have do a that. good story along with it at the same time. Yeah, you could do that. So I, I just feel you're missing out on the opportunity to have a proper, well-developed story. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I think that covers most of it. Um, I will say at the end of the episode, um, uh, it does create one of my favorite little Ninth Doctor and Rose moments uh, uh, with, the, with the chip scene at the end. I enjoy that a lot. Them seeing all the people yes, still, alive, still alive and walking in the streets, I enjoy that a lot. Um yeah, those the introspective moments are the best bits of the story. Yeah. Oh, there is one thing. There is one moment where Rose talks with the with the plug with the plug. Oh yes. It's it it's a small it's a small scene, but still, it's nice it's it's nice that it's nice that this world this world gets fleshed out a bit more. You know that scene was not added until after like like months after it was added right at the last second because there were days. Yeah, that's like that's like the best part of the story. Yeah, yeah. they because they didn't because they didn't it wasn't long enough. Yeah, well, was, oh, uh, that, that's what's happened with so many good bits of Doctor Who, though, like the scene with the Doctor and Victoria and Tomb, or with and the bit at the end of Survival. You know, all added last minute, but there's some scene. of those memorable moments from the show. Okay, <coughs> even, remembrance sorry, added the last did, minute. Did you say Dragonfire in in your list of stories there, Dylan? Because because Dragonfire. 
Yeah, the Mel bit at the end wasn't in the original script. The her little her little conversation with the doctor before she leaves. Yeah, well, not everything that's added last minute is good. No, I, I like that bit though in Dragonfire. Really, I thought it was just a bit kind of awkward and tacked on. Huh. All right. But well, I was going to say, there's one thing I hate about End of the World. It's the CGI on those fucking fans. I hate <laughs> them. Oh, oh, just does my head in. All right. So, so now as a classic Who fan, I can overlook shit effects. No, the, so thing, now, is, so now the thing is, like, with classic Who effects, it's just, it, lo- it doesn't look the same as that. It's different, different All bad. Right. So now, so now it's time to uh, see where our lo- loyalties truly lie with this story. Uh, Connor, would you like to begin with your rating out of ten? Eight, underrated. Ooh, all right then. Hot take, uh, Zach. Sorry, what was that? I cu- are you cutting out of it, Zach? Is anyone else able to hear him? All right. He's, He's saying six. He's saying, He's saying six. six, though. I can hear him. Okay. Yeah, and I, I'd agree with that personally. Six. I mean, it's complete style over substance. Uh, the plot's a bit flimsy, but it's kind of saved by some nice moments here and there. But they just would have worked better in a fully developed story. In fact, you know what? Five. Because I don't, I don't like these kind of little piecemeal stories that are just kind of throwaways, uh, like other than simple. the kind of few lines that develop. <laughs> like like <Exactly>. <laughs> Um, oh, but I do agree. I do give it a six as well. So six is most. Uh, I feel like that's going to be a running theme in this. We all just kind of give it, you know, a fair enough score. And Connor's like, it's a two, ten. <laughs> two points higher. <laughs> well, that's because there's nothing really bad in the Chris Eccleston era. There's yeah. just kind of good and then a bit mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess it's time to move on to The Unquiet Dead by Mark Gatiss. Um, I'm going to call something out to begin now because I'm sick of this awkward pause. Dylan, would you like to begin with The Unquiet Dead? No, I wouldn't because I, I don't really have that much to say about it, to be honest. You know, I'm going to start with in a bad, I'm Not in a start. bad way, but... I'm going to start with The Unquiet Dead because everyone sleeps on this story and it's so fucking good. I love Unquiet Dead. Um... First of all, I think it's one of the better looking episodes of of New Who. Um, it's it's directed really well. Uh, well it's because a period piece, isn't it? That was always the best mm. classic Who ones. Oh yeah, because oh, the BBC had all the best looking. I mean, from all, from yeah, all exactly their, from mm-hmm. all the period dramas. Yeah, um, I mean, this yeah, is like doc- looks this excellent. is doc- this is Doctor Who's Instagram filter, like gothic horror <laughs> historical. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who is a fuck. They they call it the filter. Yes. The filter. <laughs> Um, I am Mark Gatiss's bathwater. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay, so anyway, I like... <laughs> I would buy some Muffat bathwater and drink that shit. No, okay, we're moving off this topic now. All right, so anyway, um, Unquiet Dead. So, um, love the story. Love the atmosphere of it. Um, and you get some absolutely brilliant performances. I can't think of the actor's name right now, but the guy who plays uh, Charles Dickens in this, he is... Uh, he, Simon he, Keller. That's Simon it. Keller. He brings the episode together for me, and he is absolutely wonderful. Um, he goes through almost this... Not, I mean, actually, almost an existential existential crisis in this. Um, uh, he's he's battling with the actual existence of ghosts. And, you know, they're not quite ghosts in in the way that Dickens would see them. Um, uh, but he has these wonderful little moments with the Doctor, where he's sort of questioning, um, you know, if all this is real, if if all he's if all he's been writing about, and if all he's seeing today is truly real. What is uh, what is his purpose? Um, and he's truly terrified by it. I, like I said, I love the performance. Um, mm. also, also really like uh, Gwyneth. Um, 
in this. She's she's yeah. great. Um, I like I said, a lot of the performances are where this episode uh, uh, is at its strongest. Uh, Mr. Nice... Sneed. <laughs> yes. Don't look at me the like stiff, it's my fault. The stiffs stiff are lively again. <laughs> um, but no, it's a, nice, it's a nice little atmospheric story. Um, I don't know why everyone kind of overlooks it. <laughs> when Mr. Sneed, Mr. Sneed chloroforms Rose and gives her a grab. So I'll, tell, I'll tell you why I've overlooked it. It's because it's a TV story, though. Well, I'll tell you why I've overlooked it, and it's because, I, I'm not going to lie, I have not watched this episode probably since I was about eight. I don't know why. I've just never really? got around to rewatching it. Yeah, so I can barely it, remember it. it. I, I liked it when I was little, but... To be, to be fair... On the point to of be Simon, on the point of it's Simon one of, it's one of well. the Eccleston episodes I find myself going back to rewatch the most because I just I think it's great. So yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I just never how, got around to it. It's interesting how it gets skipped over, um, even by New Who fans, because it actually has significance because of um, the um, it's it's not the rift and everything. Yeah, yeah. Also, on 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 another note, Simon Callow as well. He really knows the char- he really knows the character of Charles Dickens. If you if you if you've seen his his other kinds of works, he know, he pretty much knows Dickens inside out, which oh, really? made him absolutely perfect. Huh. Yeah, oh, I, he's I, I, actually, I think he actually curates a museum on Dickens. And I oh, and recently in London, it, recently in London, he was he was in a Christmas Carol. He played I think he played Scrooge. I don't I don't know, but oh, nice. he's 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 a he's a big he's quite he's he's a big fanatic of of Charles mm. Dickens. He knows the character inside and out. Oh, that must have been wonderful for him to Yeah, I will, I will also add on top of what you've said and say that I love the moral dilemma between the Doctor and Rose about what to do with dead bodies and should we let these ghosts inhabit these bodies? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And the Doctor's like, well, it's a, it's a host and there's no one in it, so, you know, it, it would, we're saving their lives if we do that. And Rose is like, but that's a dead person, you can't do that. Yeah, like, I think that that's how the conversation goes. But if this is a dead person, you can't do that. Also, <laughs> like, oh, and I really liked when the when the doctor snapped back at her and, and told her and told and and told her about different realities. Told her that this is this is the world he lives. That this is the world he lives in, and this mm. is the choices you have to make. Put your, put your I mean, not a lie. Not a lie. If I was dead, somebody could inhabit my body. I'm not using it anymore. I'm dead. Let him have it. You know. Hang on, is this supposed to be like a? Is this supposed? Is oh my god, is this episode like an organ donor, bloody um social commentary? <laughs> propaganda, 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 propaganda. These liberal yeah. organ donors trying to steal our souls. <laughs> <laughs> stupid ghosts trying to stupid ghosts. They stole my body. <laughs> bloody liberals. These liberal ghosts. These fucking liberal ghosts, man. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, well, I guess does anybody, anyone else have anything to add on the Unquiet Dead before it's, you read? It's, it's really like just. It, I know, it, like for a lot of people, it's quite slow and the pace is a bit off, um, which is not unexpected with some Mark Gatiss. But I think it's his best TV story, and it's underrated. Oh, by miles. Yeah, it's his best TV oh. story. I mean, like his 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 books. On the other hand, they uh, run in close competition. I but... don't. I don't get how. He went from this to the idiot's lantern in one year, <laughs> and, then came, and, and, and then came back with a triumphant return a couple years later with victory of the Daleks. <laughs> oh yay! Oh, oh wait, did he write anything else? And then night, 
Night, he did. Oh, he wrote, oh, I think he wrote. He wrote Night Terrors. He wrote Night Terrors, and um, uh, he wrote the Lazarus experiment. No, 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 no. No, he did not write the Lazarus experiment. He was in it. Yeah, yeah he, was he was in it. it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. He didn't write anything else between Idiot's Lantern and Victory of the Daleks. Well, I think after Idiot's Lantern, Russell was just like, "Yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not writing for me again, mate." <laughs> but, and sleep no more happens. But here's the thing: Idiot's Lantern is like Russell wrote worse than that. That season exactly. Like Russell yeah. wrote Love and Monster, or no? Russell, yeah, Russell yeah. wrote Love and Monsters. Yeah. We'll we'll leave the New Who yeah. series two review to next year. Let's let's let's, con- let's move on. Let's move on. Hey hey hey, Final Zach! Four. You don't tell me what to do on my channel, bitch. All right. So anyway, um, ready for that? Yeah, right, Joey. Go Zach. and move on to the next one. Fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> Zach. What is your rating out of ten? <laughs> my rating on this one, I'm gonna I'll give this one an eight. All right, uh, Dylan. Uh, I mean. Honestly, I barely remember it, but I liked it when I was little, so I'll give it a seven. But that could go up or down when I rewatch it. I, I think you should give it an eight, just because of how old you were when you when you last watched it. Yeah, all right, I'll I'll, I'll give it an eight based on your recommendation because I love go. you a lot. I also give it an eight. I think it's uh, an excellent story, Connor. Eight, eight, nice. Oh wow, eight across the boards. All right, well, let's move on to the two-parter. First two-parter of New Who: Aliens of. <sighs> London. Oh, and what to say about this? All right. Oh God. All right. So I'm I'm kind of scared. Um, Connor, you know, I'll let you take the floor. Right. So um, it appalls me that it seems like ninety uh, percent of this fandom hates this episode because of some farts, and I think that is that is sad because I think this is actually <laughs> a very 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 good story, especially part one. You have to have a very high IQ to understand Aliens of London slash World War Three. <laughs> yeah, ironically, the, the one that jokes are just under uh, are just undercover <laughs> subtextual nihilism. The, the one that's about fat people fighting is actually quite a clever one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, episode one of this, like Aliens of London, is so filled to the brim with character and development and twists and atmosphere and just like the. Like all the news things that come up, it just it flows so nicely. I I know that um I think you said in the first episode, Dylan, you're talking about how you don't like fast-paced New Who, but for me, like Aliens of London is like how you do a part one in terms of structure. I think it's really really well done. I mean, from what I can remember of it, because this is another one I haven't watched in a while. Not as long ago as Unquiet Dead, but another one I haven't watched in a while. But what can I can remember? Part one was actually structured pretty well, and but to kind of move on from a point you were saying do you think the fact that the reason kind of a lot of people don't like this is because new who's done this style of episode a lot now of like all of the news stuff and what's going on around the world because at the time this is the first time doctor had really mm. done this uh, yeah when i rewatched whereas, the, uh, whereas now we're, we're spoiled for episodes like that when i when i rewatched it last year i was thinking that i was like yeah this is like one of the very few things for me that gets really stale with the Russell era, because he always does it with the fucking news flashes. But yeah, this but does this... it ha- but does it have Brian Cox like Power of Three does? <laughs> you know how these cubes work. <laughs> um, well, well, but it'll take with... somebody cleverer than me to work this out. Wink, wink. He should have just winked at the TV. That was think... so heavy. <laughs> Both Brian Cox has been in New Who. Yeah, I think and the scientist. I think in terms of just the news flash stuff, I think that not only because it's the first one, obviously, that does it, but it's also probably the best executed one because it actually is 
part of the story rather than just in your face like this is a big event yeah, that's, I mean, it's about you know, I, politics I, I, and Downing Street, you know? It makes sense that. to have it. That makes sense. And also, it's very much treated like this is human's first big encounter with, with aliens. And it's made a huge deal. And also, so. the news presenter is an actual character in the story as well. That's what I like about it. That's true. That's yeah. true. Um, yeah. yeah. And I love yeah, yeah, I love is, the scene. I love better. the scene where like the doctor's watching the news and that kid pushes a button it goes to the other TV, um other channel. It's some cook it's... making that Slovene spaceship with like yeah, with, like blue pizza. Blue pizza. No, blue, blue pizza. Pizza. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what what if you just changed, what, if you, what, what if you just changed the channel that was Caroline Ford making a Dalek out on blue pizza? <laughs> 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 Um, and and I also love. I hope, I hope that reference isn't lost on people. Have you guys actually seen that? Yeah, it's on the Dark Invasion of Earth uh, special is. features, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, go on. Um, and another thing I love about this story that I'm I apparently is another controversial opinion is I love the hammy performances of the actors that play the Slovene as well. Like especially, it is quite funny. The big fat guy with the black hair. I fucking mm, yeah. I, I can't yeah. I, I he's, thought he's a beautiful I man. was prime minister now <laughs> I want to <laughs> I was having such fun <laughs> it's a this job so it, really the aim of this story was just to take the piss out of politicians and it I succeeds want, at that I want to be naked <laughs> victory, victory. What what should, be should be naked <laughs> Okay. Okay. You look magnificent. It has camp value. It has camp value. My view. That's it's okay. I I admit I did I did hate I do did hate the slit the slitting fart stuff and the and the camp performances. But if looking at looking at it like that, it's it is it is funny. But I hate it for a few different reasons. I I don't like this episode for some other reasons as well. It's mainly to do with the character. It's mainly to do with Rose and her complete lack of empathy. But if Doctor Who did people farting all the time, I can understand why people would hate it. But it's a one-off. It's just taking it's, the piss out of politicians. It's funny. This brings up an interesting and point. Get, so 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 I'm wondering why and now. I I haven't said my thoughts on on the on the funnier, I should say, quote-unquote, funnier aspects of the story. But why do we give a pass to this and not End of the World? I give a pass to End of the World. Well, I know you do. You have a pass to all, I don't. all, all Russell episodes, Connor. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't know. I just found I just found I it think... a, a bit... It was trying too hard to be quirky in End of the World, whereas in this one, it was just like, yeah, just really sticking its two fingers up at politicians, which is something I can get behind more than just quirkiness for the sake of quirkiness. Yeah, that's true. End of the world didn't really have anything to say with its with its. Well, actually, I need to I need to be clear on this, Joey. It's not it's not the world has done better than here. It's not just me giving it's not just me giving it at a pass. It's the fact that I legitimately find this entertaining. Like, it's not me saying, "Oh, that's a bit shit," but I'll I'll ignore it. Like, I actually like it, which is here's the thing. I don't hate I don't hate this one either. It's just. Oh, it, it's a it's a bit shit, but it's fun. Okay, you yeah, know, there's plenty I, of episodes. But the thing I main, main thing I don't like is how Rose doesn't seem to really care about what about what Jackie and Mickey have gone through. She seems to. She's, uh, well, she seems Rose to... is a bitch. 
Exactly. Yeah, that's why. Like that's why. That's. I know, but that's but that's but that's something that brings that. But nonetheless, that is that is an element that brings the episode down for me. Despite what Jackie and Mickey have been through, she's like, oh, oh, well, whatever. Well, our, whatever, our enjoyment whatever. of every Eccleston episode is brought down by a rose tax. You know, see, but here's the thing. Rose, Rose is at least okay with Eccleston. She, she's not completely insufferable yeah. yet. I, I would argue. Th- this even... is this is honestly like the first episode where she. Well, I mean, the end of Rose that, that she has a bit shit at the end of that. What, what she, I would say about it is where she just runs away from Mickey without saying yeah. anything else. But yeah. I, I mean, this not... one, yeah, this is the first time where I really feel like Rose is being an absolute bitch to to Wait. the people she's close to. The thing is, where I draw the line is is for me is. Um, so there are multiple examples of her having this kind of attitude across her entire run. But where I draw the line is, is like, does it make sense? And for me, a lot of series one Rose, despite the fact that she can be like this sometimes, to me, a lot of it makes sense. Whereas in other places, it's the same attitude, but it doesn't make sense in the writing. So it was I just think... jealousy in series two. But it's also yeah. series two, it's inconsistency between episodes. Whereas I feel like with series one, there is... I, I feel like it doesn't jar me when she does these things. Like I feel like I expect her to do it. Maybe that's just because yeah, I've rewatched this. So I many see, 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 I but, also, like, but, but also like if you're, know, but... but also like does do, is it just the fact that like we're expecting Rose to be a bitch that like that makes it just like kind of impassive to it? Or well, I was gonna or, or, or like should, should, or should we still criticize it properly because yes, she is yes, being bitch? Should, yes. So, the reason why I say you should criticize it is even if it makes sense in terms of consistency and stuff, at the end of the day, Russell is trying to portray Rose as a likable character, yet by her actions, she's a fundamentally dislikable character. That, to me, is poor character writing. Fair enough. Especially since. I mean, if you look at it on that scale, yeah. Zach's a Cyberman. Nice. Yeah, the, the Chinese government's trying to censor you, Zach. Shush, shush. Anyway, anyway, what I'm saying is, um, <laughs> anyway, what I'm, anyway, what I'm, what I'm saying is, Rose's character, Rose, the fact that Russell wants to portray Rose as the perfect companion, also negatively imp- impacts the character of Mick, of Mickey because he wants, he wants us to think Mickey is a complete, is a complete deadbeat that he, that he deserved to lose, they deserved, they deserved, well, all the shit that's happened to him, but. Through his actions, I can I can't, you can only see you can only really see it you can only really see him as a victim of a shitty person. Yeah, I mean Mickey's a good lad. What's he done wrong? Nothing. Yeah. He's done nothing wrong. He's never done anything wrong. And yet but, he's but, but Dylan, but Dylan, just he's say, not the doctor. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, you were talking about Rose being nasty to him. I'm I might just remind you that the doctor is also nasty to him in this as well. That's true, That's but true. Oh, but also but also like Eccleston's a bit of a dick to everyone, isn't he? <clears throat> he yeah, but still, so is Rose. She's a bit of a bitch to everyone. Well, well Ro- I don't still, know. Rose, Rose I mean, like gets on, but Rose like gets on with people like a normal person most of the time. Mickey, she, she's. It seems like she has a, like a, a specific problem with Mickey. <laughs> it's not. It's not just like you know, like she's just running around. Yeah, like, it's like, like, it's like the, the, the Eccleston berates Rose at times. Like I found another stupid ape, you know. <laughs> it's like it's not just he. He, he doesn't pick on Mickey like she does. Yeah. Oh, he does he pick just, on Mickey. By the end, no, by the end of World episode. War Three, his actions actually gets his actions. Not for a while. By the end of World War Three, by the end of World War Three, yeah. the Doctor as well. So anyway, um, all right. Uh, ratings out of ten for Aliens of London and World War Three. Dylan, uh, seven. It's say like it's shit, but it's saved by the fact that it's fun. Yeah, 
it's one of those. Cool. Uh, Connor? Um, so part one, nine, part two, eight, so 8.5. All right, Zach? A decimal's allowed? Uh, if, if he wants to. I did if it last time. If, if he wants I'll to be gay like that. A, sure. I'll rate this one a... I'll give it... He's dead again. Five. Five. Five? Five? All right. Okay. I give it a six personally, so it seems like our ratings are all across the board with this one. God, I'm just just kissing its ass right here. You are. (laughs) Everyone tell... We've got to have our token Russell lover, don't we? Everyone try to guess how many uh, blowjobs Connor's given to Russell T over the years in the comments below. Um, I think think it's the opposite way around. I think Russell's been giving him a few sloppies (laughs) before this. <laughs> so, oh, you um, make my show look good. Thank you. <laughs> that uh, sounds and you... fuck all, I think. <laughs> but that was my favorite Russell impression ever. All right. Honestly, yes. it, it sounds closer to an Eggleston impression, and it still sounds <laughs> nothing like Eggleston. <laughs> Don't know what that means. <laughs> All right, so um, yeah. let's move. All right, so let's move on to the episode, the myth, the legend, Dalek by God Sherman. Um, I, I think it's my like turn to, to begin here. Who, okay, who would like to blow their load first? I'm assuming Dylan. Oh, well, I mean, come on, this is like the one new who episode. Well, I mean, there's a few, but this is one of the few new who episodes which I'll just mm, just it's a, a fine delicacy. It's a fine delicacy. <laughs> so, how do you bring the Daleks back, right? They kind of they had their ups and downs in classic. They went from being quite threatening, quite interesting, to kind of being a bit of a laughing stock, to going back to being quite threatening and quite interesting, all over the board. And kind of it ended with this really complex civil war plot, blah blah blah. And then you've obviously got the time war, which is developing in the background. So how do you demonstrate to a new audience, which over the years the dance had kind of been became a bit of a laughing stock in the public image, with you know lots of comedy shows in the nineties parodying them. And everybody's just like, oh, you just climb the stairs. Oh. <laughs> so they really need to, um, they need to kind of show. They need to remind people what makes Dalek scary, and that, what better way to do that than just have one, just have one Dalek and show what damage it can do. Show that it isn't just like you know a stupid Nazi. It's like an act. It's a fucking killing machine, and it's very clever. Like this Dalek manages to manipulate and connive its way out of its situation. It manages to wipe out loads of people just one. And that is one of the most captivating things for me. Because when I, when I first, like with the first few episodes of Doctor Who, you know, I, when I first watched them when I was six, because I watched them on live broadcast, I enjoyed them. But it, it's not something that would have stuck with me. Whereas Dalek, it's something that has stuck with me. Just the, the awe that this Dalek inspires in a child. It's just like, fuck. Like just mm. the, the, just the, the damage it causes. The fact that it, it doesn't hold back on what a Dalek is capable of, just one. It doesn't for a second kind of betray them as, you know, a bit silly or a bit camp. It just goes full on, this is what they're like. This is why you were scared of them, and this is why you should still be scared of them. Yeah. And I love yeah, the um... very first scene with, with the doctor in with the doctor and the Dalek in the cage. That scene is amazing. That's the oh, way yeah. the way I mean, the performance, the performance from both the the performance from both Nine and the Dalek, adapted from adapted from a similar scene in in the Big Finish Audio Jubilee, but here it's done in a much different way because it's portraying that it's portraying it's it's showing how much not only how not only how much more 
messed up and and powerful the Daleks have become, but how messed up the Doctor has become because he tries to fucking murder it. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't could, you just you, love and you that? Can tell that the Doctor t- the Doctor isn't perfect. He makes lots yeah. of mistakes, and it, sometimes he's not very nice. And yeah. we have too little of that, especially in New Who. And yeah. this episode really just goes all the way out and says, "Yeah, sometimes the Doctor he's not very nice, is he? Sometimes yeah. he does need a good yeah. slap." One of my favorite things about this episode, like in terms of that, when you're talking about, because um, one thing that modern audiences do is they tend to catch on to certain patterns or like catchphrases or whatever. So obviously, like you know, everyone knows that like the Ninth Doctor likes to say "fantastic," right? It usually happens in every episode. So up to this point, it's been used as this thing for him to be like, "Oh, we're doing good stuff." But then in this one, he says fantastic, like in an angry tone, because he's he's in control of this yeah. Dalek. Yeah. So I, oh, if, if, if I could just quickly look at that scene and I know like we're, we're, we're going to blow our load over this scene for like five minutes. Um, it's one of the best scenes Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great scene that like you could tell first off that Nick Briggs and, and Chris Eccleston are really passionate about the scene. I, I remember listening to one of the commentary of this episode. Um, they were saying, uh, Nick Briggs was saying, like, Eccleston would continuously pull uh, Briggs to the side and say, like, hey, can we just run the scene again, make sure we have everything down? Because Eccleston would say that scenes like this are what he accepted the role of the Doctor to do. He he wanted to keep doing scenes like this. Um, yeah, he's a proper professional. Because it's, it's, it's what he loved the most. It's what he loved the most about the character. Lots of scenes like that. Not and just, set- not, and jumping a bit further, the scene, with, the scene where the Dalek's being covered by the sprinklers. The scene, yeah. that's, that, that oh. when it's in, First, when he's like, first, first, where he's like, I will follow in the Daleks. Duke. Honestly, probably my favorite line (laughs) from all of Doctor Who ever. I mean, I mean, I'm not certain about this, but a good contender for it is you would make a good Dalek. I would agree with that. It is beautiful. It is the context of the episode. That's I'm, I'm, surprised, I'm surprised to hear you it say it's that. It's not overdoing it. Huh. It's not overdoing it. It's just four words that make so much sense in both the context and the subtext of the story that's being written. See, my favorite it's line in Doctor Who also, really also comes from the my favorite line in Doctor Who also comes from this episode, and it's in the same scene actually. Um, it's the two simple words: "Kill yourself." Anyway, uh, that's obviously a joke. But anyway. Um, no, but seriously, back, uh, back to the scene that we, uh, that we it, were talking about. The thing is, though, like, when you think about it, though, the kill, like, telling a dog to kill itself, like, obviously we'd seen it in Remembrance, kind of, but, yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, McCoy literally does talk a Dalek to death in that, doesn't he? Like, um, you know, like... Isn't that, isn't that quite a good juxtaposition, though? It, you can almost kind of feel faint echoes of that scene for Remembrance in this, but it kind of shows how much the Doctor's been damaged by the time war, like, in that, he felt just fully in control just to go up and go kill yourself you know yeah. just very calmly and stoically getting this it, is you know manipulating like, it to die I, whereas here Eccleston's just so damaged and just he just sees it and just it full of rage and hate rather than the stoic just kill yourself it's like kill yourself you know it, yeah. Yeah. it's good it's very well yeah. even something yeah. that's not even something that's not really talked about if you notice the whole scenery of the, of the sprinklers during the scene where the Dalek then says then what should I do when you when you look at when the way they the way they close up on that Oh Jesus! Can, can we get an F? <laughs> oh, Z- Z- Zach, were you, were you were you killed again? Were you converted? 
Okay. Um, I, I will conclude on that and say that the fact that the story ends with um, um, like the Dalek committing suicide because it didn't want to be like them is just so fucked up and insane. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, exactly. that's Robert Sherman for you. You <laughs> who has been so neutered at points, it needs to have some balls and really have some, you know, nasty well, storytelling. I mean, like, like, yeah, I agree that. Like the, the fact that the Dalek is so repulsed by the idea of seeing <laughs> human, um, and of and of being like Rose Tyler or the Doctor, is showing compassion in any way. He's so yeah. repulsed by that idea well, that think... he just kills himself over it. In, I mean, I... in Muffat, who they probably make it a fucking companion or something. <laughs> they did. They called it Rusty. Oh, yeah. Uh, see, I hate that because they call it a good Dalek, but really, it's not good. It's just got a di- different to... evil I would, logic. I would, I would say the Dalek in <laughs> this was more, that was more the, the good Dalek than uh, yeah, than Rusty. I mean, like honestly, like how exactly. many good Daleks though have we had in New Who? And they keep doing the same thing every time. It's like a Dalek can't be good. Okay, yes, we fucking know that, but you keep doing stories where a Dalek, where it's shown that a Dalek can be good. Yeah, but, but in this, it's not saying the Dalek's good. It's just saying it's a different. It's no longer the merciless killing machine it once was. It just has. Mm. That you can't you can't treat it the same anymore. Yeah, you can't treat it the same anymore. Yeah. Um, now I want to say one thing that I really love about this episode is um, you could tell that the Doctor is very scared of the Dalek in this um, to the point where like the first yeah. time he sees the Dalek in the episode the first thing he does is run away. He runs to the door and he tries to get out. Um, but then, and this is again where I love Eccleston's performance, the moment he sees that the Dalek is uh, is mm. disarmed in a way um, he laughs in its face it's so wonderful. It's just this lovely performance. Um, Another scene as well uh, and, and, it, and it gives him a sort of power in that room. Uh, but then the moment that the Dalek is let out, that fear is 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 reinstalled into him. It's uh, you, you could definitely again Eccleston's best performance by far is the Doctor in this episode. Yeah, not that he was I, ever not that he was bad ever uh, before or since. Um, but he's been he's finally given the material that really suits his acting abilities. Like having him be yes. a bit quirky and funny is all well and good, but giving him a scene so f- rich in great dialogue subtext and yeah oh, it's just brilliant uh, well, that's what, that's the kind of thing that you're going to get the most out of Eccleston one one thing i love about it is it kind of like obviously we've seen the in classic who we all, we've seen the doctor be violent and angry and all that we've seen all that before but i feel like a lot of the time in terms of his his um his personality there was always an air of flamboyance to it um whereas with Eccleston in this scene it you genuinely feel like this guy is is gonna fuck you up like he is yeah his this guy has no flamboyance at all like he is genuinely murdered the time war kind of Matures him when way, he gets, you could say. Yeah. Also, like, when he gets pissed off at Henry Van, St- at Van Staten when he thinks the Dalek has killed Rose. When he yeah, rebuts, when he rebuts, like, yeah, like, like he, he, like it's like you know, like one of those angry dads that just lost his yeah. car. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to think that the doctor just saw Rose as a, as a, as a car, just, just, uh, just another piece of property for him. <laughs> oh, God. Are you saying that? Um, are you saying that he rode Rose? Make a special w- yes. One, one could say that. Dylan? Can we have a special edition of Dalek where the Dalek shoots a, shoots a Porsche instead of instead of Rose? <laughs> Can we have a special edition where the Dalek shoots Adam? Yes. 
Fuck Adams. Oh, yes. Fuck Adams. Oh, yes. Speaking of Adams in this, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, he is. No, 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 no. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. The episode's perfect. That part, no, it didn't happen. You misremembered. <laughs> see, as see here's the thing. Worse. Here's the thing. And I guess this is a good point as to bring up. I guess, this, I guess this is a good point to bring up uh, ratings out of 10, but. Uh, do we let Adam get in the way of our of our ratings? Here's, so, okay, here's no, it, no. it didn't happen. That you are misremembering no, this. Give, you are fake news, Joey. I will give. I will give my thoughts on it, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Damn it! So now Dylan's got converted. So Adam, Adam, Adam is enough for it to take it down a point. But but the quality of writing in this is an eleven out of ten. So it takes it down to a ten out of ten. <laughs> I agree with this man. You I know, I, I agree too. I also give it a 10, Zach. 10 out of 10. 10, all right, 10 across the board. 10 out like, of 10, just like oh, I know, what? Like, I know, like, I know Robert we were laughing. Rice for Doctor Who again, please. <laughs> please. Like, I know we were laughing before about how I was, like, kissing you who's ass, but, like, literally this episode is, like, Is genuinely... just that good. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. one of the best bits of TV I've ever seen. But also, like, it's got me praising it. You could tell that Rob Sherman was given the task of introducing Adam, and he does his best with it. Like even even if Adam just isn't a great character, like he does the best his best uh, with working Adam into the plot and uh, and having him join the TARDIS at the end. So, at the end of the day, even though no, even though Adam's a shit character, one thing I will say about him is I liked how he was used to kind of show that yeah, not everybody that the Doctor picks up is necessarily a great person. Shame they kind of never really took that anywhere in the future and just had every companion be the most important woman ever. But, you know, <laughs> it could have been interesting. Yeah. So I guess let's move on to The Long Game by Russell the Davies. Uh, uh, I, uh, uh, Dylan, you start. Right, okay, so positives. Simon Pegg is in it. Oh, yes. Yes, there, yes. there we go. He's good as the editor. He's 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 very entertaining as the editor. Yeah. Negatives. They wasted Simon Pegg. That's also true. <laughs> but, but but the bits he is in, I uh, I think I do think he's excellent. Where he can where he confronts where he confronts the journalist that got that got promoted. So, I think that this episode is weaker than all the others in this series. For me. Yeah. Same. It gets a lot of shit. But is it but, really that bad? But I, it's just like, kind of, I, it's just kind of a mediocre one, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not horrible. It's but just, I think it's, it just I, drags a bit, honestly. Like, like for me, it's the weakest of series oh. one. But I, I still don't think it's bad. Like it's, and especially because even though like, and you know, you're gonna hate me again because I said this before. But I would say in a more extreme sense here, where the actual plot of this episode really is not the best at all. But for me, anyway. The fact that that one thing that I did like what Russell did in series one was he had, even though there were a couple of episodes that were single parters, they connected to other episodes in the series. Yeah, so like, I, I did, I did yeah. like that they brought this back and it kind of showed the consequences of it. But I will, I will at the say same that time, if we had a proper decent episode as well as that, wouldn't it have been just better all round? That mm. is something I will say though. I will agree, with Connor, there that I don't think a single episode in the series is wasted. I think everything serves a purpose for something later. If even if it's not paid off in this series, it's paid off at a later point in time. Like Father's Day is then, is then paid yeah. off in series two. Um, End of the world is paid off paid off also. Yeah. In and this is two. something that and this is something that I miss now because like ever since like series seven probably they stopped doing well, this. And series it, two. Know, 
Since series oh, two, yeah, and there's been wasteful episodes since after series one. Series one was so meticulously well did. planned that's, out, that's true. and they that's just true. pissed out in the wind. But I mean, I mean, mainly series seven because none of the episodes matter in that one. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you know, it'll take Manhattan. That's just, that's just if, you know a bit of fluff. <laughs> if, yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna have you just just do proper self-contained stories. If you're just gonna have meaningless episodes like that, rather yeah. than just have these quick fire little shits yeah yeah and like, like, yeah me- like, even, like even episodes that seem like throwaway little episodes like boomtown you know that's still like that was that was that even itself was a payoff to a sequel to aliens it, yeah. Of yeah exactly yeah. um well i think that that one works as a one part because yeah. it's already because it's building directly off a two part yeah. so everything's yeah. already established and i think yeah. it's and it still and it still works and anyway my and the thoughts, only and the only element that's things. added added in between aliens and land of world war three and boomtown is jack Pretty and much. you could, yeah. yeah. And he's already been developed in another two-part story. Yeah. So the point yeah. is, things single episodes can work, but they have to be built off something that's already been established in a longer story, or, well, or they have you, to be, or, or they have to be very focused, like Dalek, or very minimalist. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like Dalek or like Midnight, where it's very minimalist and focused. Yeah. yeah. I'm not. Well, I'm we not have we have barely talked about the long game. So how about anyway? That there game? is I'll, nothing I'll... to talk about, Joey. <laughs> It's an interesting concept, but uh, yeah. all cracking yeah. out to me. I just, just a sign. Really <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. There's just nothing. There's just nothing to say. It's just I one think... of those episodes where it's just like it's not really going anywhere interesting. Whatever, let it let it slide. I do, I do, even though it yeah. actually does set up most directly. It, it's probably the episode that, that most directly sets up the finale. Yeah, it does. Only but the yeah, end, but, only, but only, only the, the end, end of it, though, and the, and the location, and the, and the whole location of Satellite Five. But that's about it. Yeah, li- literally nothing else has continued. Like only the fact that the news channels went down and Satellite Five exists. They were the only things that um, yeah. really mattered. I do, was, I do really but, like. I do really like the end scene where the Doctor grabs Adam by the scruff of the neck and throws him out the TARDIS, and I then and then, then. The, the irony, the irony that <laughs> I, this is a joke I do like because I know what you're going to bring up. I do love this joke. The irony you. that he says <laughs> to Adam that he only chooses the best companions, and then the very next episode, Rose makes a massive mistake of <laughs> picking of a stupid ape. Yeah. Oh, 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 I thought you were going to bring up the, 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 the thing at the end with, uh, with Adam's, what is his, his mama, I think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love the clicks, especially when Eccleston yes. and Rose are just doing it to him outside the towers. It's just, oh, it's They're just fucking with his head. They like, keep snapping. Yeah, like, people go rail on about Adam, but he's, like, intended to be dislikable, unlike yeah. Rose. Yeah, that's true. Like, that, that so is the reason why Rose, because yeah, she's just... intended to be likable. But he's genuinely intended to be hated. Because I know we were writing on Adam last episode. Like we were talking, like Adam is totally useless. But at the same time, he is meant to be useless. He's he is meant to, a, meant to be a worse something version. that the doctor can just throw away. He's yeah. a worse version of Adric. Yeah, yeah. At least Adric did something. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think... At, least Adric, at least I so, at least I sort of enjoyed Adric. Yeah. Yeah, and he certainly enjoyed Adric. <laughs> and now I'll never know if I was right. Most enjoyment to got out of Adric. Indeed. So, ratings out of 10 for the long game. Zach? 
I'll this this one looking back, don't it's it's bleh. I'll give it a four. I'll give it a four out of ten. Interesting idea, but everything Ooh. everything else in the episode was a load of bullshit. Well, Ooh. Connor, now Connor, now you have to explain to us why your rating is a ten out of ten. <laughs> never. <laughs> it's never going to be a ten. Um, Russell, you better suck harder. He's not giving you a ten. <laughs> I think it's I think it's interesting, but it is it doesn't really work on that many like the i the i never i'm never satisfied by the very end when kathika like does that thing and blows up the geographies it's always a bit it always feels a bit like saturday morning cartoon to me and it, yeah. it's yeah it's okay uh 6.5 okay uh dylan five it's not great but it's not offensive either it's just it's just an episode of doctor who take it or leave it there's nothing wrong with it particularly but there's yeah. just not if much it, interesting about if it, it. If it didn't tie into the finale, I'd probably skip it every time. Yeah. yeah. And any well, anything and, more and also, and anything that, less is a bit harsh. So. It also has Fine. it also has the satisfying ending of of throwing Adam off the TARDIS. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I but I personally give this one a six. It's it's a it's above average, but you know nothing to write home about. Um, I mean, Simon Pegg's in it, like we said. Yeah. yeah. Simon Pegg is where like five of those. But they wasted Simon Pegg. <laughs> Well, he does have that great scene with the doctor, where where he has where he has him and the doc where he has the doctor and Rose like uh, captured and uh, uh, when he needs some, I need some. Is it talking about Adam, about a time and Adam off, and he and he some, and somehow well, off screen, like, the doctor told Adam his entire life story. The picture be this: Simon Pegg is the meddling monk. You know? I can, <sighs> yes, I could I can see that. I can see that. So anyway, uh, now let's move on to Father's Day by God Cornell. I'm I'm opting mm, to start yes. this one myself this because one. because I'm probably like the biggest Paul Cornell fan in the Skype chat. Really? I mean, Paul he's done some all right stuff, but is he, is he that good <laughs> to be called all, God? All all right, he says. <laughs> so has never. Yeah. I like circular time. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be interested to hear what all of you think of this one. Um. So Father's Day is. A really excellent episode. It's one that I used to not like for some reason, and I'm not exactly sure why. When I rewatched it like about a year ago, I was like, "Oh, that's really quite good." Um, Father's Day is a great episode. Um, it introduces Rose's father, of course, um, Pete Tyler. Uh, he's he's a really nice guy. I, I really enjoy a uh, I really enjoy his character because he's just a pretty down to earth person. Um, yeah, know, he's better than Rose and Jackie. Why can't we have him instead? <laughs> yeah, right. Why did he have to be the one to fucking he's really die? Really great. He was, but, but also, but also here's the the also, also the thing is he's not a good person necessarily like we know he is fairly flawed and there's a reason that Jackie uh, doesn't really trust him in their relationship yeah. um he's but, also, but his personality but his personality is just likable and he's just he's just an average guy um who Rose would have loved to have met uh, and that obviously kicks off the whole plot of this uh it's a uh, it's wonderful to imagine i, I, I usually I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of companion centric stories, but when it comes to going back in time with with companions, families like this, Demons of the Punjab, um, episodes like that that closely relate to a companion's personal history, I do enjoy that, and I uh uh and I enjoy seeing their their other family members because typically when you have a bad companion and you go back in time to meet their family, their family ends up being better than the companion themselves. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's true, Yaz. I mean, Yaz, come on, demons. All of all of her, all of Yaz's family members are more interesting. That's so much more interesting. Why couldn't, why couldn't we have had her? In, why couldn't we? Why couldn't we have had them instead of Yaz? 
But anyway, even even the fucking like murderous brother, he would have made a better <laughs> companion. You know, at no, least he's I, got character. I think Grace is better than Ryan. Uh, well, I mean, I don't hate Ryan either. Um, I, I know I think Ryan was done all anyway, right. Let's move. He, he was... Anyway, we're getting we're getting off yeah. topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right, so what that. I've got to say um, about Father's Day is I do like all of the character stuff, but there's one thing I can never move past. I know what you're gonna and... say. I know what you're gonna say. The fucking Reapers. I the fucking it. Reapers. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't yeah. make sense. They yeah, would be no. in literally every Doctor Who episode <laughs> ever if that's how they worked. Yeah. So why are they here? I feel like I feel like Paul Cornell, like this is just down to Paul Cornell as a writer. He was used to being this big ideas man in the new adventures not long before this. So he wrote a lot of big concepts into the Doctor Who universe, like the Eternals um, being time and death. Like he didn't create the Eternals, but he, he created a broader context for them in the Doctor Who universe. Um, what's up? They were from Enlightenment, weren't they, the Eternals? Yeah, the, yeah, they're from Enlightenment, and, and, and Cornell expanded upon it, that, like, the Eternals, like, chose their champions, and that there were these cosmic entities, like the Guardians, pretty much. Um, there was, there was uh, something else, there's some, I, something else about the Reapers as well. And they think, I think they might have been inspired by Big Finish's Vortazors, which are, sim- which were, which were a similar concept, space pterodactyls that were attracted to, to, to... See, to, I wouldn't, see, I wouldn't have minded if, I wouldn't have minded if it was a, a Vortazor. I, I think that was... Yeah, yeah, well, well, the thing is with those, they don't always come out when something happens no, like that. They they're, just, but they're just occasionally but just, there. But, Whereas the Reapers, I mean, it's specifically said every time there's something that goes off course, then they appear, yet... Why oh, yeah. don't they in but, any other story? But, but even like said, after well, this, even in other stories where like yeah. a major point and fixed point in so, time, blah blah, I was going to ask. Broken, they don't but appear. Like, but, but where I was going with that was that Cornell was used to writing these big ideas and, and creating these big concepts for the Doctor Who universe, and he was almost like the head writer of the New Adventures. He was the one who who did these big chapters uh, in the Doctor Ace and Ace and Bernice's lives. And he would come up with these big concepts. So I think that's just sort of that bleeding into... Yeah, so uh, but, but, in, in why, did, why didn't writing? he just ask Russell, right, I'm writing this, will you actually bother to continue this? And then Russell could just said, no, because that's a shit idea. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad idea, though. I think, I think it's... Oh, yeah, well, yeah, well, so, so you think in a show about time travel, every time they change something in the timeline, having a bunch of shite monsters appear is a good well, idea. I mean, well, I mean, also, it's it's a pretty drastic change bringing Rose's father back. Someone, it's someone yeah, who was plenty dead. of drastic changes. Well, well, what about things from the future that, even though they may be the future to us, to the timeline, they're neither the future nor the past. They're just an event that happened. And maybe because they happened to meet the Doctor at some particular point, they didn't, like, say, get m- mugged in the street and murdered. Why don't the Reapers appear for that? Oh yeah, um, I, I do. I, I agree with your sentiment. It's just I just isn't there, think, isn't there an I, I just don't, I just don't think about, it's as offensive as you're as you're making it out to be. Isn't there? Isn't there an explanation there about? Um, they explain and they, and they explain it first in Unquiet Dead, and they, more than they, were just, they establish like a, they establish it's not like every single thing. It's like apparently, well, the way they explain it is there's certain fixed points. So it's yeah, I know. I, I just talked about that, and like you know, look at say for example the waters of Mars. Yeah, I know what the lady tops herself, but the other two get to live. Why aren't the Reapers coming <laughs> yeah. out there? So, so what I'm gonna uh, what I'm gonna ask is so does I think that... it was more. I, this is this is this is more or less a headcount of mine, but I, I don't. I think the Reapers are just are just, aren't don't come out every time because they just it, it was more or less they're just lazy. They're just practice. lazy. They're, they're, they're lazy, or basically, yeah, or rather they're just, or rather, what or rather they're is, just attracted. What I was going to ask is, is does the, the time, does the, the pet- pick someone and talk? 
does the potential plot hole of this is that a fault of this episode or is it a fault of show running as a whole because i think i think i mean that the... don't, don't get me wrong the whole doctor who canon is fractured doesn't make any sense and I can suspend my disbelief when something is contradicted in the canon. But this is such a fundamental change that it affects every single story ever written, really. So that okay. I just think it doesn't make sense to do it. Well, I'm, I will. How about this? Does it, would the Reapers appear in any of the episodes from series one up to this point? Do you think? Nope. No. No? Okay. Yes. So. So I don't think that. Well, actually, let's episode... think. Let's. Well, let's think. Uh, if the Doctor couldn't time travel, the Nestines wouldn't have taken. You know, uh, would have. If the Doctor wasn't a time traveler who interfered with the affairs of other beings, then the Nestines would have taken over uh, the Earth. That's a pretty drastic change. Pretty drastic fixed point. Yeah, but they don't actually, like, that... And what, about that say... what about without the Doctor, what would happen with the Dalek? I mean, maybe you could argue he might not get out because uh, it was partly... It was Ro- actually, no, that was Rose's fault. I, I wonder but then again, we, what about all I those people who died? Maybe, I wonder if maybe we could argue, like, a Reaper is, is almost one of those entities that, like, chooses sides within... Uh, <laughs> within the Doctor's timeline? Well, no, seriously, like, what if, what if it... What, like, like, what if it is, like, um... Okay, like the, I'm not saying like the Reapers are Eternals, but I'm saying like, what if it was like the Eternals where like they did choose the re- a champion the re- and someone for them to be against? The re- yeah, but but if re- you were going to, if you were going to do this, you need to specifically say it in the story. The Reapers. The only information an- we give. The Reapers have an anti-father agenda. <laughs> Must be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get, get on rid that of this pulse. fucking dad, then a good old mum can raise him. Get on that, Falstrick. <laughs> oh my god. The, the Reapers want every child to be raised by political lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're fucking moving on. Um, the ratings out of 10. Uh, 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 Zach. I think I started with Zach for like the past two. But go on. <laughs> I'll give this one a nine. I'll give this. I'll give this one a nine out of ten. I re- I really like. I really like this one mainly for the character of Pete, his inter- his interactions with Rose, and yes. and you, the only, my only gripes is the effects on the reap. The effects on the re- the visual effects of the Reapers look a bit shit. All right, uh, is Dylan. Six. I like the characters in it, but Whoa! I just can't move past the Reapers. Mm, I can't move no. past the Reapers, I'm sorry. Mm, well, the, the Reapers no. are the main part of the plot, and they Ooh. don't make a lick of sense. Uh, Connor, what's, what's I think it's a very poor concept. Uh, I disagree. I think it's a great concept. Um, this is one of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who ever. Ten out of ten. Ooh, wow. Okay, nice. What? Okay, um, God, Russell, what are you doing? What kind of technique are you using? Oh, <laughs> uh, and I personally he's give using, it an eight. I, I give it he's an eight. Using the sh- he's using the Shirley Henderson pavement slab. Good one, Zach. Oh, no. Okay, fuck you all. All right, we're moving on to Empty Shadow of the Doctor Dances uh, by Stephen Moffat. Fuck. So I can oh, read. So I can rejoin you now, now Connie. Oh, this is because so it's 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 so clever. It's oh. so so clever. Oh. I just and I just sat there. Right, right. Okay. Oh, so, so, it actually is. 
Can I, can I um, just get the one negative I have about this story out of the way? Because I do like almost oh, everything else, but there's one negative. I just want to get out of the way, then we can kind of endlessly praise it. Okay, I on. don't like the sexual undertones of the Doctor dancers. I think it's a bit oh. stupid. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there is. the whole All the talk of dancing, it's all about sex. Mock yeah, yeah. really, what, what they mean is sex there. <laughs> and the, the, doc, like, the Time Lords are meant to be asexual, at least in my personal headcanon. Because I'm down with that looms, yo. That's fair enough if you have that view. I mean, I mean, if I mean, if you're down with the new adventures like that, then you also accept that the Doctor fucked Benny at one point. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not down with that bit. <laughs> that, that, that's the one right after the one with Looms. It, it goes Long Barrow, then the Dying Days, and the Dying Days is yeah, the one where, yeah. the, where the Doctor. I think the Dying it. Days is the one that they produced illegally and had to remove from the shelves, so, so not canon. My, my my stance on it is is I don't mind I don't mind them saying, Oh, you think I haven't ever danced? I don't mind that. It's when Moffat goes and says, Don't look at my browser history. Like that's when it goes too far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, I, I can agree with that. I was trying to get this out of the way. I think it's okay to a certain extent. I, I don't mind it in, in, in the Doctor Dances at all. Because also, uh, first off, I, I, don't, I appreciate the sort of classy way they go about it. Like, maybe, maybe it's not the right word. But, you know, uh, I, I do like the scenes where, where Jack is dancing with Rose um, and they're listening to Emma's I mean, Glenn. Glen why, why is it even necessary to talk about the Doctor's sexuality, you know? <laughs> because Chris Eccleston's so, so sexy. That's why. Because okay, Captain but, Jack but, Harkness but, but, but is my... in the episode. Okay, but Dylan, but my oh, question. Oh yeah, of course. But, but my question. That's why. My, but my question is, if dancing is all an allegory for sex, then why didn't the moment that Eccleston said, "I just remembered I can dance," why didn't he just start fucking Rose there and then? Well, no, that's what it, that's the no, that's the <laughs> kind of um, um, that's the subtext of it. That's the subtext of it. <laughs> and and I mean, Jack's in, watching in, them. What <laughs> just we see on screen is actually a metaphor for Eccleston getting a big old sloppy from Rose. <laughs> Okay, so what was okay? The the episode's great. Yeah, this episode's brilliant. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so I was trying to I was trying to just bring that up to get it out of the way, but we spent most of the time talking about it. But the rest <laughs> anyway. of the story is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, definitely scary, uh, it. it's really, uh, atmospheric, it's really, really great. It's uh, probably classic Who meets New Who. It's like mm. a story it's that's fully developed, really well. good, good. It's a it's a world that's <laughs> built up well. It's a story that's developed well. All of its characters are developed well and have a purpose. Yeah. And really, you know, Nan you couldn't. Nancy it doesn't waste. Nancy's a really great it just, character. Yeah. Oh yeah, Nancy is Nancy is great. I, I, you bring up a good point, Zach. Nancy. And it's a brilliant concept. I love the concept of nano genes. It feels like one of those really clever sci-fi concepts. You know. And actually, it is genuinely and, and, really and clever. Unintentionally on rewatch, I noticed it actually fore foreshadows the concept of regeneration. If you've never seen the show before, as well. Yeah, uh, it does. Which I really like. Um, but yeah, one thing Wait, I've, I I feel like in, in what bit? Where, where is the nanogenes. The nanogenes regenerate roses. Oh yeah, yeah. And actually shows. Oh, can I just her... say? No, go on. Oh, I was I was gonna say um, this is one of the very few stories like I've I've obviously gone online and YouTube and everywhere and looked up hundreds and hundreds of reviews of all sorts of Doctor Who stories over the years. This is the one story that I've seen a positive review on from every single person I've seen. It's unanimously loved this one I've seen. Yeah, I think I think like yeah, I think that's a good point because every 
uh, almost every Doctor Who episode, you, there's yeah. at least one person that like tries to be an edgy contrarian who's like, uh, who's like, oh yeah, but it's yeah, not but, really but, that good. Yeah, MG <laughs> Child so... Doctor Dancers appeals to everyone. It's yeah. a story also, that everybody can final, get behind. Just, and the reason is, it's brilliant TV. Everybody li- what I also love, everybody lives because it's from, from. Why do I like? Why do I love this? Because from the Ninth Doctor's perspective, it's earned. The part, the past few stories, yeah. the past few, the past few stories, and especially the Time War, the Ninth Doctor what, what, has been. What I'll as, say like, about this. I like it in the context of the Ninth Doctor and his, what's happened to him. But I can't appreciate it anymore because of how much that's happened since then. So it's not this episode know, at I'm, all, and I won't within, take it away within, from the episode. Within the context, within the episode itself, it works, and within the Ninth Doctor, it works. Well, the thing is, with this, yeah. with this, with this two-parter, Stephen Moffat basically does all the things that you expect from him in his run, but he does that at, at the exact sweet spot that he needs to, and then from there he goes over the top. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. and he only really recaptures what makes his style of writing work in Heaven Sent. I'd argue. As, like, as far yeah. as his era goes, yeah, yeah. Like, mm. like the other episode that like gets close to this, as far as the Russell episode, Russell era episodes he wrote, um, is Blink, obviously. Um, yeah. But as far as like his era, yeah, Heaven Sent gets pretty close to it. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant story, great atmosphere, um, great and characters. Can I just say like one thing I need to mention is how much I love Jack Harkness. Oh, oh yes. we've had him more. He is by he's, far the best New Who companion. He's oh, my yeah. favorite. No he's my favorite. It. He is my favorite Doctor Who companion of the entire show. I love you know Jack what? Harkness. I can't even. I can't yeah. criticize you for that. He's brilliant. He's and also, he's fantastic and also, in Doctor Who, and he's fantastic in Torchwood. Well, most, also, mostly, mostly anyway. And also, his he's an LGBT character, but it's not like forced on you like it is with Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like here's the thing. Like Jack's a horny fuck, but like you know, he he's he he. It's not. It doesn't feel forced either. Like we just accept yeah, it. Yeah, horny, like, like, like we just accept that he's horny he and he wants to fuck yeah. everyone. But he makes it. He is makes he, what, it comedic. What, what happens in the script is it's coincidental to the plot that's going on. Like he needs to contact this man to get through somewhere, but it just so happens it's very obvious they're fucking. Whereas with Bill, yeah. it's like they ha- they put the episode on pause for five minutes every time and go like, oh, did you know that I'm a lesbian and I do not like men? You know, and it's like... I would like it if every, the I would like it if every episode that Bill mentioned she was gay in, that, that she said it in that exact tone every single time, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, that, that's Look, nothing... Could, like that is that is nothing compared to excellent bottom. Like that's like it's yeah. just so creative. <laughs> wonderful character. Yeah, yeah, absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah. And I love the fact that in every single story, the Doctor tells him to stop flirting with everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, no, well, Russell could handle LGBT characters a lot better than Muffat could. Maybe that's because Russell's well, LGBT. Yeah, yeah I was about to say, like, could it, it possibly be because? <laughs> I mean, also, yeah. like... But I still also, feel that I could also, write also, LGBT characters better than Moffat. <laughs> but also consider that Moffat wrote this as he writes the characters yeah. first and yeah. sexuality second. Also, isn't it... Do you, oh, do yeah. You know, I forgot Moffat wrote this. Even though we just discussed it a second ago. Yeah. But then again, Russell's, like, but little, it was Russell you know... The character. It, was, it was Russell that came up with the character of Jack, though. And, yeah, uh, and beyond yeah, yeah. That, that's what yeah. I meant. That's what I meant. Because Russell had the concept of Torchwood before he was doing this, and he was going to have Captain Jack be the 
main character, but then he put him in Doctor Who and then in Torchwood, and it became part of the the universe. Which is but like originally, if Doctor Who wasn't coming back, that character was going to happen anyway in its own yeah. show, like a crime drama in Wales. In a bu- in a Buffy styled show. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh yes, but speaking, it's funny you say that because Russell wrote Aliens of London, and in that episode, Rose says to the Doctor, "You're so gay." Do you remember that? Does she? Yes, I do. I find well, that she does. When she does when, when 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 nine goes when nine complains about Jackie Jackie slapping him. She goes, "You're so gay." As a, as a response to his reaction, I find that weird. Oh. How Russell T Davies, a gay man, wrote a line of dialogue that used that phrase. Yeah, well, negatively. Uh, well, uh, we got to remember this is back in 2005. That was just parlance yeah. then. That's just what people would say. They say, oh, that's a bit gay. Often not as like an offensive thing. It's just yeah, something you said. It's not like something you, you were trying to demean gay people. It's just something you said. I know, but like it just it just feels weird knowing that Russell T. Davies yeah, is but gay. That, that just shows how inoffensive it was, really, that a gay man just yeah. put it in the script. Like, well, yeah, it just shows cares? that Russell yeah. T. Davies isn't like sensitive and offended by everything. He actually yeah. is aware. Yeah. Also so, shown um, by its LGBT characters in Torchwood. So uh, I guess uh, let's uh, give our ratings out of 10 for The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances. Connor? 10. All right. Dylan? I'm very torn. I want to give it a 10, but I think a 9 is probably more reflective of my opinion. So I'll probably <laughs> say 9. All right. Uh, Zach? 9. 9? I would also give it a 9. Once again, Connor is the biggest wow. Russell fan in the world. But it's Stephen Moffat. It's oh. a... <laughs> it's Stephen Moffat. Go get work on that technique, Russell. Ah, <laughs> oh, give me a go. <laughs> see, 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 we can't confirm it, but Russell might be under there right now on Connor's webcam. I mean, it is possible. It is not out of the realms of possibility. Yeah. He'll you turn Russell into pavement slab, and now that, he's. That, that, that's what Connor. You see, you see, instead of coughing off to the side, every time Connor's turned to the right, uh, he's, <laughs> he just, he's, he's just been giving Moffat more money to, to keep going. Or sorry, Davies more money to keep going. Oh. So. Oh, that's <laughs> anyway. where I got. Anyway. <laughs> what, what were you about to say? Go, go, go ahead. Say, what, well, the, the, the point is the payment is in compliments about his show, Joey. Do you not understand the mechanics of this joke? Anyway, <laughs> um, okay. all right, let's move on to uh, Boomtown by Russell the Davies. Who would like to wait, wait, why do New Who fans hate this? It's a great episode. I, like I don't it. know. I, I really like this, this one. I love this one. But, this... but well, I think this is probably the strangest in terms of opinion wise because most New Who fans seem to think it's shit, yet all the classic Who fans seem to love it, despite the fact that it's one of the most New Who episodes possible. Yeah, mm. I think I, I love like it. I would say the reason why is because I think this is structured more like a Torchwood episode than a Doctor Who episode, um, which is why new Who, new Who fans that are fresh are like, ugh, what's that? Oh, why would you bring that farting alien back? Ugh, who cares? Quiet dinner scenes. Ugh. Well, oh, yeah, well, I suppose maybe well, classic Who fans are more back. used to just kind of changing structures and, like, experimenting. Yeah. And, that and, like, and like the other farting alien episode, you have to be smart to understand this. <laughs> Yeah, like, you need yeah, like, here's, here's the thing, though. I will say that, like, like this, this is. A le- I would say I will say that Boomtown, in its concepts, is a legitimately intelligent episode. I, yeah, I know, I it's can't... a big brain episode. <laughs> I, I don't know if, if any of you kind of know the undertones, like what this episode is really about. 
So basically, um, back in the 2000s, there was like these a bunch of figures that they were going to deport uh, to the US, but they couldn't because the US were probably going to try them then, like sentence them to death. So kind of the moral Ooh. dilemma was, do we deport these people to their deaths in the USA? I think Abu Qatar was the name of one of them. They're like, they're evil people, but do you deport them to the USA where they're going to die? Do you have that right? And eventually it was resolved by the USA promising not to kill them. Uh, but obviously that was before this episode aired that that happened. That yeah. Oh, so gosh, much. damn it. Sorry. That's just going to go for a couple seconds. So. Yeah. So yeah, that, that that's what's really interesting about it to me. The fact that it manages to do that social commentary, but so incredibly subtly, and with the framing of not really being about that, but just kind of managing to comment on that by just going over a broader moral issue did you, in a did very you, interesting way that works in the context of Doctor Who. Did you just say subtlety by Russell T. Davies, Dylan? Yeah, Ooh. no, it is. Ooh. It's genuine Ooh. subtlety by Russell T. Davies. I can't okay, believe so, it. So, um, so moving beyond that quick. So obviously um, the, the main uh, thing about this, uh, the, the, the main idea that, uh, sorry, the main concept of this episode that that idea comes from uh, is from the uh, one surviving Slavine, uh, on uh, left on Earth here, uh, played by Annette Badland. And she is absolutely wonderful in this. Uh, really, she's really great. Blonde fell fudge past midday. Slavine is a really is a really great is a really great character. You can just actually say that. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, Margaret, whatever, whatever. Margaret, she's a great she is a great char- she's a great character. Even even if even if we don't know if she's telling the truth to the to the doctor or, or not or to the or to the group about her about her intentions over dinner, we get it. It's those little those small those small little character moments from her, really. Really, really helps shine through, especially in the first scene in the to- in the scene in the, the scene in the toilet where she hears about the woman, the woman getting pre- the woman getting pregnant, and and how it follows through in in the dinner scene, how it leads into how it yeah, leads that into is the, a lovely you know. moment. Mm. It's so it's so nuanced and subtle, which is not something I expect from Russell T Davis, but it is. It yeah. is. It's yeah, like, really. Yeah, yeah. she it's spares this one person, but does that make her a good person, or is that just one good act in a sea of evil? You yeah. know, it's it, yeah. it's really analysing this issue in a, a brilliant way. But more than just analysing this oh, issue, it's a great story in its own right, mainly because the characters are brilliant. I mean, obviously, you've already mm-hmm. talked about how good uh, Margaret Watson's face is, but I love the TARDIS team in this. Eggleston, yeah. even oh, Rose, yeah. Jack yeah, and it, Mickey. It, it, all, it feels like, it feels like a so much team. fun. Yeah, they're all so much fun and have such great interactions in this, and it, I could just watch it forever. It's so much fun. Yeah. Why do we not get more episodes with these four? Because yeah. they are. Yeah. One of the great and and also to think... This is how you do a four-man TARDIS team. And also yeah. to think that this was Eccleston's last ever performance as the Doctor, and he gave it, like, everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, you're right. And also, yeah. it's one of it's one of those high concept ones. Like, uh, I'm sure I'm sure that scene with with Margaret was one of those moments. I'm also uh, sure, like that, that Eccleston like loved doing as the Doctor. Those darker moments, those one on ones with the aliens that where they just sort of uh, monologued with each other and uh, and yeah. shared yeah, yeah, philosophy. The, 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 the moral yeah. dilemma. Yeah, yeah, the moral dilemmas are often the best parts yeah, of Doctor. So, yeah. I especially love when Margaret turns it on the Doctor when she says, "Only a killer would know that." Is that right? Hmm. Yeah, love that. Yeah, bit heavy-handed, but it's, I like the intention. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think yeah. I think I think it works still. Um, I think this, yeah. I think the performances of Matt Badland and Chris Eccleston just sell that moment for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, I guess let's give our ratings out of ten. Uh, Dylan. Solid eight. Solid eight. Uh, I would agree. I give it an eight. Connor. 
Nine. Not, ooh, Zach. Jesus Christ. I'll give this one. 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 All right, so, uh, well, we actually got through this a bit faster than expected. Uh, don't, we're only at an hour and a half right now, which I know is a lot still, but... Um, well, but it's good, because not... I need to go soon to make dinner, but all it's all right. right, I've still got 15 minutes. I'm making dinner at 3 in the afternoon. I'm absolutely excited. I literally well, just no, came no, from work. Well, we're going uh, camping, so we need to make dinner early, so we're not oh, putting okay. the tent up. Them. Gotcha. Not that right, your so, audience needs to know this at all. Well, so don't question me, Joey. You don't know how to do a podcast. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, uh, actually, did I tell you before we move on to the next one, um, Dylan, that uh, that I actually got a comment on one of my on my newest Star Wars video, just asking me when the next Celestial podcast was coming out. <laughs> yeah, that was me in the, like a fake account. What, what when you were asking when we could actually schedule this? Yeah, yeah, no, it was just me on a fake account. You know, I wanted to build a hype, you know, so you kind of got me on more because you guys, oh, well, when Dylan's on, everybody wants to see it. Oh, All right. yay. All right, so let's talk about Bad Wolf and the Parting of the Ways by Russell the Davies. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to call him Russell T. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. <laughs> Connor, what the hell is that? So, this is this, if for anyone who doesn't know, this is the Doctor Who story for me as a kid where I became a fan of the show. It was Dalek for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I loved I loved everything I saw up to that point, but this two-parter for me, I have such vivid memories of the first time I watched it with my father. So do I. And you, fucking hell, actually, it was... Before you go into that, actually, since you brought that up, I think the I think the first episode that uh, that I remember like getting me to really start loving the show was weirdly enough Aliens of Aliens of London. I have, <laughs> I have, I have hey. no clue why, hey. but it was a good that episode. One. For me, it was. <laughs> Sorry, go on. It's a good episode. More than good, it's great. Oh, I thought, no, I was talking about Aliens of London. It's a good episode. Oh, right. <laughs> I was like, God, you're, under, you're underselling Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways a bit, Let's eh? go. Let's, let's go. All right. Uh, go ahead, Connor. Sorry, I, I, I cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, was I going to say something? Yeah, you were you're giving your thesis. Oh, yeah, no. I was, was talking about, about you and Daddy. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about Is it Daddy story. Russell by any chance? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Connor. Oh, that sounds like Daddy Moffat. <laughs> yeah, why? Why can nobody do a Russell impression? I suppose well really accents are hard to do. Really I, hard. I, I, really, I really wish I could find like an actual Moffat fan. Really? To get I wish I could find an actual Moffat fan to get on my uh, when we start covering those series of New Who. Like, I wish I could get that, but yeah, maybe I I'll genuinely don't someone. know any who who like me. Maybe, so. maybe I'll be able to actually find someone by then. <laughs> could find some people. I know. I could. Yeah. I could potentially find some people. I'll get. I'll, I'll get. I'll, I'll get Bolstrek on. Yeah, so <laughs> most Moffat fans hate me, so you know, uh, can't so help not, me. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go back to the episode we're talking about, by the way. Go ahead. Um, so not only on, no, I don't, I don't think we should do that. I think that's you know just going a bit <laughs> off topic. Not only on a conceptual level, on a character level, on a production level, on a on a anticipation level, on in terms of the way the story unfolds, in the terms of the way it's it's paced, and just. It, for me, every this story has everything that I want in a Doctor Who story. It's so 
wonderful to to witness and it's for me the definition of a series finale now i know a lot of people like especially classical fans criticize when you who goes too over the top with the finales but for me this is this is the the finale of new who that gets it right for me um none yeah, of the I ones agree, that have... but when when we criticize finales for going too over the top it's because they felt the need to try and outdo each other each year it's like we yeah. don't need this every year but once in a while, it's brilliant. Yeah. And that's but, why this one really worked. Yeah. And also the fact that every single episode of the series ties into this finale as well, I think is is, is something that I really appreciate because it makes the entire series, every single episode, even pointless crap like yes, the long yeah. game, has significance to the end goal. And I love that. We haven't really, we haven't really talked about the Bad Wolf story arc, have we? Well, I mean, it's not really a story arc, is it? I mean, I have a few words to say about that, which may not be popular. There's a throwaway go bit on. in Boomtown, but I mean, you know, there's not much of an arc there. But go on, Dylan. There is. There's, there's a few. No, no, no. It, 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 it could wait till we went through the positives and stuff. Okay. Um, uh, okay, so... Let me talk about... Anyway, what, sorry, I can kind of tie them both in, actually, if you want me to yeah. just give a little spiel. Go ahead. All right, so what I love... And then also what I don't love about this story is consequences. There's consequences for what the Doctor did uh, back in the long game. There's consequences for his actions. There's consequences when the Daleks come back. The Earth gets fucked up. Everything is just shit. It's bleak. It's horrible. It's nasty. It's brilliant Doctor Who. It's showing that this is not a perfect hero. This is a flawed man. And he is royally fucked up. And to try and make up for that mistake, he might have to kill everyone again. But can he do it? Mm. Which is better? Can he do it? Especially shown by the fact that he creates a new norm as well. When the scene with, with, with the Doctor and, and Linda with a Y on the, on the bridge, where yeah. she's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. I can't believe it. It's, it's the Earth. And the Doctor's just shocked at what's happened to it. And Linda's more like, oh, it's always been like that. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and that is great. And, but then all of these great consequences are entirely ruined by Rose getting magic god powers from the TARDIS and undoing everything. So the Doctor doesn't have to face the dilemma. Everything just gets magically undone. Yeah. I don't like that. I feel that if you're going to ramp yeah. up... Ironically, the, foreshadowing the, much, the Doctor. You, if you're going to ramp up the stakes that much, it needs to be resolved in a big way. And yeah, that may have massive consequences, but you've still got to do it. That's the only way you can justify those stakes. Otherwise, it makes a conclusion not only feel limp, but gutless. And is, to me, is, it is feels there, like... Is there if, any... Is it there feels any, like they're just... Sorry, go on. But to me, it just feels like the bad wolf thing. It's just like, all right, we don't really know how to resolve this without like having some massive consequence for the rest of the show. So just magically undo everything, rewind everything, which would happen again in the future in Russell finales and even in some Muffat finales. Which is like, all right, everything gets magically rewinded now, right? Everything's back to normal. It's all fine. I think, I uh, like weirdly enough, Army of Ghosts and Doomsday, is that the only Russell finale to not just fucking yeet everything out of there by reversing time or some shit like that? Uh, well, yes. that's the one that uses the magnet that gets that sucks all the... Um, yeah, yeah, but I think but, all the all but it's kind of explained with like the whole. Um, it's explained with like the par like the what's it called the void shit that like you can see with the three D glasses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Be honest, they don't really 
and be, and beyond well a few mentions in torture they don't really discuss the they don't really discuss the battle of canary wharf that often so i'm not not even too sure if it's much of a lot much of a long-term consequence on that front yeah well actually I'm, there is I'm, I'm surprised connor that you're not really arguing with what i said i thought you'd disagree I, with it quite no, strongly no. here's here's the thing right because yes i do have a different view but i don't think you're wrong for having your view i think for me, I have a different view on it, and I, it, it's not, I'm not necessarily saying that I think... Well, I'd be interested are... to hear your view, then. Can I hear, can I hear your view? Because I'm a genuinely right. interested. Yeah, so I have actually prepared this, because I knew going into this that, like, um, this ending to this finale is not just infamous with Classic U fans, it's actually infamous with a lot of fans. I've noticed it with even people that I've shown this show before who watch it for the first time, like, this year only new who's seen and they and there's still people that have issues with it so it's not like it's a isolated group that has a problem with it it's actually genuinely a divisive ending um and i can see why but i do have my own reasons why i like it um is it blow have... job related <laughs> <laughs> no that's the love and monsters ending um <laughs> <laughs> but um i mean i I don't want to like go on too long, but I do think that if I want, if I'm going to explain why I like the ending, it, it does take a bit of detail, if, if you don't mind. No, no, the, the, I mean, well, Joey, it's your choice, but I would like to hear it if Joey's all right with it. Uh, that, that's fine. That's all good. Yeah. Give, us, give us your thesis. <laughs> all right. Okay. So I've written down some bullet points. Okay. So, um, right. So one of the things that I like the most about the doctor's character ninth doctor's character um is there's there's like a set of morals that he he almost claims or says to live by but throughout the series there's multiple instances where you've shown that he doesn't live up to his his own morals um and if you're looking at that from like a direct point of view like face value you could see oh well he's being a hypocrite but it's not i wouldn't say it's him being a hypocrite it's him it's the fact that there are these ideal uh, sort of rules that he wishes he could follow, but because he has so much either compassion or he, his decisions are changed by situations or his affection for someone or something, um, it tends to have him go against his own morals, which I find a really interesting um, thing. So one, one thing, for example, is... So one of the things that um, I think Rose says that the doctor like basically inspired her about was the whole sort of, you got to put yourself aside and do the right thing in the situation you're in. Um, which is the whole attitude she had when they, when they were finding out about like, Oh, we need to make this Delta wave or whatever. And like, she's like, okay, so we're going to do this. Cause that's, that's, that's what we do. You know, over the course of the series, you know, you've taught me that this is the way to do it. But then, um, you get the scene where he sends her away, where he sends her home, and like he does, he basically forces like he like he basically tells her to go in the TARDIS. Oh, this is gonna work. We're gonna make this magic thing. <laughs> and then he walks out the TARDIS and she flies away home. And I think like that for me really shows like the fact that he's breaking that set of morals because his, his of his compassion. Um, and it's also it also ties in to Aliens of London World War Three when Jackie um, makes that phone call uh, when they're in the Prime Minister's room. She's asking, "Is Rose safe?" 
And that, again, that is the whole thing of, can I do the things that I do but also not lose people along the way? Um, so that, so those two things, those two things, like the morals of the Doctor and and all of the, uh, I suppose, compassion and emotional driving forces as well, clash, which I think in this finale, as I've just stated, comes to a head. Um, in terms of Rose Tyler, so there's uh, the series as a whole, it's a story of her breaking out of her shell. Um, she's got a very strong mother bond. Um, obviously, one of the reasons is because her father is dead. Um, so her mother is very overprotective, but she's trying to get away from that because it can be dangerous to, well, not dangerous, but it's bad, bad for your, your, you know, it can be bad to have an overprotective mother into your adult years. You need to actually learn to break out as on your own. Um, and throughout the series, she's inspired by the doctor. Like, like he said, the morals that he says to stand for, um, and also her father in father's day, her father, uh, sacrificed himself to fix the time paradox, which is like him going forward to sacrifice himself for the greater good. You know, he knew that if he did this, everything, everyone else would live. Um, um, which, you know, you could say is like, someone could like complain and be like, oh, that's a, you know, that's like being a kamikaze pilot or like, that's like promoting suicide as a good thing. But I don't think that's what it is. I don't think that is what that is doing. It's, it's the whole idea of giving up yourself for the benefit of someone else. It's quite a, it, a lot of people say it's quite like you, I understand if people think it's like quite a cheesy thing because it's, it's very Hollywood. I understand that, but that has been set up throughout the entire series. The, um, Rose is, uh, that, that complaint doesn't come from me. You don't have a problem with that? Okay, yeah, good. I don't, yeah, I don't mind um, that, really. All right. So um, now, before I get to the the meaty bits at the end, there are actually two things that could have cheapened this ending for me and that would have happened on the original broadcast, like the original plan for the series. Two things. Firstly, is Boomtown was never supposed to happen at first. Um, it was supposed to be something else, but they they had to rewrite it. And because of that, Boontown gave us an entire I'm so episode. Happy didn't go with that original story. We'll get yeah. to that in a bit. So, so if they hadn't had a whole bunch of that TARDIS lore in Boontown, and just suddenly out of nowhere, Rose suddenly says, "Oh, the Doctor mentions the TARDIS has power. I wonder what might happen if I open this." Like for me, that would be what some people criticize the ending being a deus ex machina that to me would definitely be one because it's not there is no suggestion throughout the series that it that 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 power comes from anywhere because it would be random but because we got boomtown there is at the very least an explanation at of that the tardis is has a power within it that is so powerful that the doctor doesn't even know how powerful it is because if he tr if he tried to harness it he could die or anyone who tried to harness it could die. But so my question is, but my question is, why is Margaret not Badwolf? <laughs> why why did we not get Slavine Badwolf that spread the words across all well, of Earth in various time periods? Uh, I, I do have a response <laughs> to what I you're saying. Just just we a should be naked. <laughs> 
just a second. That... So I do I do get the criticism of someone says that the powers of the TARDIS aren't particularly explained um, at this shouldn't... point, which which it's... I can understand ah. that. You could well. You see, you're you're not. That's not what I'm saying. I don't just care how well explained just a it. Second. Is. Oh, okay, I'm not okay, finished. I'm not finished. I'm just saying that at the very least, there is a setup in Boomtown for the TARDIS as a power force. There is that. The other thing that could have cheapened this ending is if Eccleston stayed. This is another uh, big uh... one, and the reason why for me. The reason why is because if everything happened the same way it did and he didn't regenerate, it would mean that, like Dylan said, absolutely no consequences. But because Eccleston decided to leave, it means that someone had to die, which was... Uh, I have a counter to that quick, actually. Um, There would have been consequences if Eccleston stayed. Did you ever read the original, original, like, last page of the script? If, well, what was if it? the doctor had stayed on essentially um the doctor it would have been like a TARDIS scene after like rose blacked out pretty much um and uh, and the doctor would have been telling her that everything was fine and everything would have been okay but on the TARDIS screens he would have seen that rose's that it would have said like rose's life form was dying slowly and that oh, would have right. been serious too and okay. she would have, that would have killed her off by the end but yeah well, so consequences well, there but, but not quite but, not quite as big as the doctor regenerating yeah yeah i'm i'm yeah, well, more happy I'm more happy with the ending of the Doctor regenerating than what we would have gotten had Eccleston stayed. Um, and um, one of one of the reasons why is because I know this is again, like I said, a very Hollywood, very cheesy ending that you see a lot. But the fact that the 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 arc of these two characters ends in what I would call a double sacrifice. It really does show like the fact that not only has Rose been inspired by her father in Father's Day, who did the same thing, sacrificing or willing to sacrifice himself, she does the same, but also the doctor, who has at this point has been not being able to live up to his own morals actually is inspired by Rose reflecting his own morals back to him and he sacrifices his own regeneration to save her. And yeah, it's a bit soppy, but I think that combining all of that character development, all of those moments, all the episodes tying together with the the um, the way it was set up, with the way that the... Um, the fact that it relates to other character um, moments like in Father's Day and how it inspires these moments, the fact that it, um, and I know this isn't necessarily something that a lot of people, like none of, some of you won't agree with, but I think like the directing, the acting, and especially the music for me, I really like the score of this episode. And I think that one of the reasons why it's such a fond memory for me as a kid is because I remember everything in the episode coming together, like a big, like probably the, it's crass, but the best way I can describe it is like a televisual orgasm, where like the music just, <laughs> it just all, exp- like, it, and, and I think I saw a video essay somewhere recently about like, one of the one of the best ways to eclipse films, or in films, is when every single 
storyline or character arc going on in the film ends at exactly the same time and it creates this explosive climactic feeling and i feel like but, the parting but, of the but, ways does but that my, but my question is why wasn't charles dickens the series villain because because if charles dickens like wasn't the villain all all the time then how does unquiet dead fit into it is my question um the rift ties into um boomtown i wasn't cassandra the series all right i'm so connie uh, i've got a few things to say so first of all i do appreciate what you're saying and I have absolutely no problem with like the whole self-sacrifice stuff. I think that's well done. You know, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, maybe it is a bit Hollywoody, but whatever. It's it's narratively justified. I feel, given the the context that it's in. But that that isn't what I have a problem with. And I know you said that there is consequences that the Doctor has to regenerate, and I know that. I know that that is a consequence. But you've got to consider how high the stakes are in this situation. We're talking about a whole planet being absolutely wiped out that's billions of lives and then possibly more after that we're well, not not even just wiped out turned into daleks you know there's even like, some hmm. there's even some unseen like, there's even it's some unseen really as well yeah and then who knows what they'll do after they've wiped out earth they'll probably go and do the same thing somewhere else like these are extremely extremely high stakes so and i don't feel and i don't feel that one one life even not really a proper life because it really he's just going to become a new person and stay alive. So I just don't think that for that high stakes, one regeneration is enough of a sacrifice to make it not feel blunted, to make so, so, everything so, that was built on that episode not feel blunted. That's just my opinion, but that is how I feel about it. And that's, that's why we differ because so I just right. don't think that's enough of a sacrifice to justify it narrative. Right. So here's my question. If so, I'm not taking a side here because really I'm I'm pretty neutral towards the ending. I, I don't really care. I you know it's it's a total cop out, but you know I I don't mind it really. How would you have fixed the ending, Dylan? You see, I don't know. It's not my episode. Okay, that's fair know. enough. I, that's, that's fair enough. I just wonder. If, I was just wondering if you had like an alternative. I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm not pretending to be satisfying. clever. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not pretending to be cleverer than Russell here. Yeah. This well, is I mean, his bit of fiction. And well, most I mean, of it is brilliant. The reason why the ending infuriates me so much is because I love the rest of it. The rest of it is absolutely beautiful. And I want it to be paid off perfectly. Do I know how I would do that? No. But I'm not the person who's wrote this, up until that point, beautiful bit of television. You know? See, see, here's the thing. Maybe I'm just looking at it a bit more in comparison, like compared to like the ending of Last of the Time Lords. Like, at least not everything was undone. They just killed all the Daleks. Well, yeah, I mean, that's yes, the yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, I mean but, but the thing is, the, I I do get angry about that, but it's not really the same to me because the rest of that is kind of more take it or leave. Whereas this, the rest of it is genuinely beautiful television, which is just for me blunted right at the end by this, which doesn't ruin it for me because it's too good to be ruined just by that but it does hamper my enjoyment it does blunt everything good that built up in the story for me so, and so yeah it's still that's really the last thing and it's with every with everything beforehand with how the daleks have pretty much outnumbered everyone all our support all our supporting cast 
on that note, the supporting cast, Linda, Linda with, Linda with a Y. I re- I really liked her. I thought she, I thought she was, I thought she was a really nice character, really nice, a really nice friend for the Doctor. And even, and even the small, and even the smaller characters like the Bad Wolf boys. It was sub- what I really appreciated about Linda. What I really appreciate about Linda is the fact that it was kind of very nudge nudge hint hint that she was going to be a companion. Then they just kill her off. Clearly, yeah. like, intend the audience to think, oh, well, she's going to become a companion, then you just kill her off. I really appreciate that, as that means that now the audience, when they see a character they like, they can now no longer think, oh, well, they're going to live, they'll be all right, they'll be the Doctor's companion, you know, yeah. it's all fine. They like they would in the Muffet era, the... for instance. <laughs> Whereas now, it's just like, anybody can fucking die. And I really appreciate that, because that's good writing. That's keeping the audience on their toes. What I was up... What I really, what I like to say is that we, there's also some, impl- there's also some implied consequences as well. Like this, like the, like there's the scene where the, where the Daleks are approaching Earth. Lin- you don't see what actually happens, but Lin- but Linda's seeing on the monitor the Daleks, Daleks invading, invading Europe, America, and Aust- and, and well, Australasia. And oh, and and, don't, uh, we don't see and what happens. We don't see what happens. We don't see what happens there, but. But sim- but si- but simply that Im- imagery implies great consequences. Yeah, you ju- just the image of the slight the continents kind of just kind of changing shape just shows how drastic the weapons they're using are. Like well, the and that's, and let's not land masses the, kind of change. Let's not forget know, the consequences. Bloody hell, what they're doing, Jack? Everything. Uh, there are all consequences for his character. He not only dies but comes back to life and and is given immortality. There's consequences with that. Um... Well, the consequence he gets to live forever, whatever. Well, well, I mean, I mean it, it, it is. That's I mean, more like setting up for other stuff, though. Yeah, that's setting true. up to- <laughs> but, but there is there is the consequence of the curse of immortality with Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, he, he, but, he yeah but all I'm saying is he doesn't necessarily treat it like a good thing, you know. Yeah, all I'm saying is that it doesn't. I just don't think that ending lives up to the stakes that were built up. I don't think it. It really is. I just don't think it's enough of a sacrifice to kind of make I think it Moffat, sit well with me. Do you Russell, think Russell wrote himself into a bit of a hole? Into a bit of a hole? Into a bit of a hole here? Because I mean, he he might have raised the stakes up a bit too high, a bit too high. They couldn't think of a feasible way to get out. Do you think that? Well, he's... I think the thing is, there you just need to have a bit of balls and just do something drastic, like have the Doctor fucking kill everyone, or have him just leave and like. I can't do this. I can't handle this. So, so I have a question though. Would that leave completely new viewers wanting to come back for more, or would that be too bleak? That's a good question. Well, what I was going to say then, was, then, is... but then you kind of, you kind of, that's the division between art and, you know, marketable entertainment, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And personally, right, so... I will always side with the art, but I understand why people obviously it has to be economically viable, especially because it, especially because it's the end of the first series. That, that'd be a pretty yeah. Hard, that'd, that'd be a pretty. If they ended, ended on everyone, and if they end if they ended the series on on everyone's dead ending in the in the first outing, it would have. It don't. I don't think it would have gone down well. Yeah. So okay, we've gone on about this for nearly half a fucking hour. I need to cut you guys off. I love you all, but holy shit. Um, ratings out of 10. I have a feeling I know Connor's, but Connor? 10. Uh, no one is surprised. Dylan? 9. It just the ending blunts it and hampers my enjoyment, but does not ruin what before before the whole Bad Wolf thing happens. Before that, it is beautiful television. And why, um, why the fuck did Russell write more like this? I would agree with that. I give it a 9. Uh, Zach? Also, also a nine, pretty much for the same, pretty much for similar reasons as Dylan, and but and also because of another thing, because of um, because of Rose getting jealous of Linda. 
that's a, yeah. that's a nitpick, but overall, it's still overall still a great episode. All right, so very last thing to cover with this is, of course, our rankings from least favorite to favorite of the ten stories of series one. Um, uh, so are we are we doing it like just single episodes or two parters as one? Two parters as one. Two parters as one, obviously. Yeah, you barbarian. The, the only part where that, the only part in, in these in these podcasts where that's going to get difficult is when we get to like series nine with a three part finale. So, well, why don't well, why don't we just say they're all shit apart from Heaven Sent and just leave it like that? <laughs> well, face, uh, well, face the Raven's good. I like face the Raven. Face the Raven's good. Um, all right. Yeah. So, but... so uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to begin. Uh, I'm going to go least favorite to favorite. So I've got the long game. Uh, Aliens of London, World War Three, The End of the World, Rose, Boomtown, Father's Day, The Unquiet Dead, Bad Wolf, The Parting of the Ways, Empty Child, Doctor Dances, and Dalek at the top. Who would like to go next? I'll go. Unless we have any thoughts on that before we move on. It um, just seems in line with what you said, really. Aliens well, of London's too low. Uh, I want to be <laughs> naked. Um, I, I don't know. I think uh, I, I don't know. I'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll see where everyone else lies. Uh, Dylan. All right. So the long game. Uh, oh God, I've already I've already messed up the order. It's a long game. Uh, Aliens of London, World War Three, maybe. Yeah. Aww. Then this is going to be controversial. Father's Day. Fuck you. I knew that end was coming of the world. Next. I knew. <laughs> end of the world. What uh, you like? End of the world more than Father's Day. Yeah. Fuck. Right, dead so just, just let just um, let him finish. <laughs> Unquiet Dead, Boomtown. Because I do really like Boomtown. Rose was before the Unquiet Dead. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, and then obviously we've got the top three, which I'll probably say: Empty Child, Doctor Dances, Battle Park of the Ways, then Dalek at the top. All right, then. Um, my only big points of contention there. Um, I, obviously Father's Day. Um. Yeah. I'm a bit surprised Unquiet Dead is as low as it is, um, but all right. And uh, really, it's not. It's only I, below. I mean, I mean, not not the top three in Boomtown. It's only below the top, the top three, which were obviously going to be the top three for pretty much anyone, and then Boomtown. So, all right, uh, Zach. Okay, the long game, Aliens of London, World War Three, Shush, the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard this episode called Shush before. Have I missed the neck <laughs> Is it Shush is it the Russell. sequel to Listen? That's Rose. Oh, the prequel. Right. prequel is a pre- Listen. Is a prequel anyway. It's a prequel. Listen. Let him go on. Shut Shush. up. Hybrid. Okay. I'll start again. Okay. The Long Game, Aliens of London, World War Three, End of the World, Rose. Hmm. Uh, crap. What was uh, Boomtown? Father's Day. Empty Child. Doctor dances. Wait, where's Unquiet Dun- Dead? It could be Unquiet hard. Dead. Oh, I, okay. I put that. I'll put that one in, in. I'll put the one in between. Wait. So was Unquiet <laughs> Dead? Before? He was. No, no, he was using the alternate title of Shush for it. No. Yes. Wait, no, no, where was it? Wait. Was was it before? It's with the, Slithine's, it's with the Slithine's superior cousins, the Jeffreens. What? What? The, 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 the people to shush. What? 
don't know what. <laughs> so I'm tired. I'm tired. Are, wait, wait. So, 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 so far your order was long game, aliens of World War Three, end of the world, Rose, Boomtown, Father's Day. What was next? Empty Child, Doctor Dances, and and Best is Dalek. So okay, wait, so where's wait. where's I'm quite dead, and where's Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways? Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways. That sec. That's that Bad Wolf Parting the Bad Wolf Parting the Ways. God damn it! Oh, sorry. Okay. It's all the government mind control pills they've given you in China. <laughs> uh, do you want us to give you a second and let Connor do it? Or He's been taken away by the secret police, I'm afraid. Okay. Should I just go? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll give Zach some time to finish. Okay. The long game, of course, at the bottom. Um, and then I just want to make it clear. I, I, don't, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but this is like probably my favorite series of Doctor Who, if you couldn't already tell. Um, it's the best the... New Who one, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, to be fair, it is hard to compare New Who and Classic Who because Classic Who is very different with its seasons. Um, but yes, for me, this is the best. So long game at the bottom and then everything else I love basically um unquiet dead would be next fuck then you. it's a great story but i just i love all <laughs> um, well, it's, li- it's like when we put ambassadors of death as our worst for season seven we still love it joey oh that's true that's true yeah yeah that's a good way to put it. unquiet dead as the ambassadors of death of series one <laughs> um wow those are two episodes i never thought i'd hear compared <laughs> I watched Ambassadors of Death today for the first time. Great story. Great story. Yeah, good story, isn't it? Mm. I was a little bit confused, but it was good. Um, I was a bit so, of running yeah. around. All right, so it's long game. Uh, I'm quite dead. What's next? Yeah. Uh, end of the world. All right. Uh, then Aliens of London slash World War Three, the best story too, ever. Too high. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to be naked. Um, then Boomtown. Don't say that again. <laughs> We've heard it like 50 times, okay? <laughs> uh, Boomtown after Aliens of London. Um, then Rose. Uh, mm-hmm. Then The Empty Child, The Doctor Dances. Uh, then Father's Day. Ooh. Then Bad Wolf, Parting of the Ways. And then at the top is, of course, Dalek. You, 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 just, I, honestly, you just you just triggered Dylan hard with that Father's must, Day placement. <laughs> look, I, I don't I don't care if you like Father's Day or not, but putting it higher than Empty Child Doctor Dances is hey, simply it could be worse. It could be worse. My friend, my friend Jake on our channel, put, higher than shush. He put he put Boomtown and Aliens of London above Empty Child Doctor Dances. Well, he just needs to be like strung up in the streets, you know. <laughs> The lynch mobs in New Zealand. I think you should bring them back. <laughs> God damn. All right, Zach, did you finish your ranking? Yeah. <coughs> long, game at the bo- long game at the bottom. Oh, no. Long game at the bottom. Next. We lost him. No. Oh, dear. Fuck. 
Anyone? Has this anyone, has seen, the... has anyone seen Zach? Zach, are you here? Him, him. Still here. All right. Still here. All right. Try again. <laughs> okay. Long game. Aliens of London. With slash World War Three. The end of the world. Right. Thanks for having me on, Rome. Joey. But I'm gonna have to leave now. All right. Get out of here. Please let All Zach right. finish. Thanks Goodbye, Billy. It's been a good one. Goodbye. Leave. Young, quiet, dead. Father's Day, the empty, empty child doctor dances, bad wolf parting of the ways, Dalek. Gotcha. Awesome. Thank God. All right. Um, I'm tired. We got it's through that. This is, this is easily my longest pocket. And of course, the phone starts ringing at the end. Go fucking figure. All right. Well, Dylan left. This ending has been a disaster. This is an over two hour podcast. Uh, I hope you all want to kill yourselves now. Um, thank you guys for coming on, of course. I was kill yourselves. I've just done, die. I've done five hour podcasts before. Yeah. I, uh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, you well you watch whole stories on yours. Oh, I mean, I did five hours for Avengers Endgame. That's what I mean. Mm. Which is appropriate. Yeah. Um, and so, thank you guys, of course, for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for watching. And I will guess. I will guess. Wow, that's where I am today. I guess I'll uh, see you all next time. Goodbye.